Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And I'm Ken Napsok. And this is the Clone Wars Report. We wanted to introduce this episode in the same way these last couple of episodes of The Clone Wars have been solemn and uh, minimal. And I think we did a great job there. Little pause, little solemn drums, a little bit of hope right at the end of your song there, Ken. (laughs) Exactly the way it should be. Uh, This has been an amazing journey uh, for us doing The Clone Wars Report, really just for a couple months. uh, And then for fans... 
going on the ride of Clone Wars since 2008 on and off. But this episode of Clone Wars Report is looking at the end. All things must come to an end. And then, you know, sometimes begin again multiple times. But we are going to be discussing the, this is episode 16 of the Clone Wars Report. We're discussing the 12th episode of season 7 of the Clone Wars, Victory and Death. Written by Dave Filoni, directed again by Nathaniel Villanueva. Music by Kevin Kiner. So uh, a lot a lot going on, a lot of feelings uh, as we record this and release this on May the 4th, Star Wars Days. Uh, Star Wars Day, <laughs> it says days because it, it feels like there's <laughs> it feels- enough to go on for days. Yeah. But Ken, diving into this episode, uh, we like to talk about the title, Victory and Death. Do you have title feelings? Do you have overall reactions? Well, man, that title, I mean, this was an interesting, because this episode kind of started leaking slash being released in different regions uh, everywhere. It was like watching the ball drop on New Year's. It's like 3 p.m. in in Burbank, (laughs) and uh, people are celebrating at midnight other places. So I saw this title early. And just had that feeling of, oh, yeah, here, here we go. I thought that was a perfect, without even knowing. I was like, victory and death. I'm all, I'm all for it. That is kind of, um, I don't know, the, the lesson of the Clone Wars anyway. So I, I really like that title. And my overall reactions episode is this was a wonderful third act to this movie we've been watching. Uh, it's a standalone episode. I think it was great as well. But I, I just really think when you sit down and watch all four of these back-to-back, this works as a as a very action-packed, emotionally punching you in the gut third act. Yeah, yeah. And it's really interesting to see how it's going to feel when it is all uh, strung together because mm. it feels like it is constructed to be, you know, examined and, and enjoyed and uh, ha- have individual ideas and themes for each episode. But it is so feels like a movie. Mm. Um I, 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 we've been going on this journey with these titles of this season has ranged from everything for, from a pun to a sort of insightful commentary on star Wars with like the phantom apprentice being an amazing title. Victory right. and death was really like it. That's just what you're getting served. Right. That was almost like the title was a burger and fries, <laughs> but it's very, very meaningful uh, in that examination that is bound to happen with this episode of, uh, we kind of culturally look at endings as containing a lot of the meaning. Uh, and sometimes that's true of storytelling. Sometimes it's not in terms of the, the intent of the creators, but we have that p- cultural bias that meaning is contained in the end. So that makes that title even more resonant for me of victory and death. It's sort of like the best that you can hope for out of the clone wars. Mm. Um, and then for my overall reaction, I just I think I really liked you and I had our various uh, predictions, uh, but more more hopes than predictions like we always do. Yeah. And there are lots of different ways that this could have maybe connected or mentioned or, or or tied into Revenge of the Sith or even been kind of a launching pad toward the future. And I really ended up liking the simplicity of the scope of the story and just get, it gave it such a drive uh, in terms of narrative and emotion to just have the story literally be uh, a ship driving into a moon, <laughs> uh, give it uh, a drive and simplicity that I really enjoyed. And I also just uh, really like the, the, um, the meaning of that title for me that it, it evokes star Wars balance that, the story of the Clone Wars is a, a story of death and it's a story of inevitability. And there's no way that our heroes can 
win this narrative, mm-hmm. but in the big picture, but they can have moral victory. And I felt the episode was really successful at uh, just like the ship driving at the moon. This story has been driving to a point that cannot be changed. But within that story of darkness and death, what victory is there for the heroes we've come to love? Well, yeah, well said. Uh, I can't, w- I can't wait to discuss the endings with you here at the end of this, uh, towards the end of this episode. Uh, yeah, we're feeling a lot of the same things, and I just, yeah, re- really well said. Uh, it, this whole series was crashing into a moon that you could not turn away from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who, who knew it would be so joyful to watch people you absolutely <laughs> love crash into a moon? That's the magic of Star Wars, bringing joy to moon crashings everywhere. Um, <laughs> In the first half of the Clone Wars Report, we always like to dive into the big picture themes. We're going to talk a little bit about themes, but there's also some big picture questions that you and I have discussed a little bit off air, Ken, that I wanted to bring on to air about what this final season of Clone Wars was, if uh, different choices that were made with what it is and if you would ever want more and all, all kinds of stuff like that. So we're going to discuss the themes and then we're going to discuss a couple more big picture ideas. And then in our second half, we will dive into every little detail of this final episode, Victory and Death. So with that, uh, one of the themes uh, that jumped out to me the most, and I I struggled with how I wanted to phrase it, because I think pretty explicitly on the surface with what is at stake, it is life and death. Is this ship is going toward the moon. It is all about who is going to live and who is going to die. But the parts of that were that were really affecting me were digging into this larger Star Wars question. Uh, when I think Star Wars philosophy is at its best, it's not just about what you do, it's about why. So I phrased this theme as the, the why of life and death choices. So first off, we just get the framing of, what are the characters willing to do to survive? And you've got uh, Rex, you've got Ahsoka, you've got the clones who are not quite themselves as they're under Order 66. You've got Maul, and it's just all of them, uh, this episode is, what are they going to do to survive, you know? Yeah. Oh, 100%. And, and as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, I focus here on the clones where we talk about, like, you know, they're under this order, but how much how much of that is just a momentary switch? Does, what are the effects? And I don't worry about uh, the, the how and the what of that, of just like, all right, they're in this position. What are they going to do, and why Why will they do it to survive? That, like you're phrasing it here. That becomes really intriguing to me why, about why, why they wouldn't just throw down their weapons. Can they? Can they not do that? How, how far it goes into, and, and is there something bigger uh, going on inside of the uh, this loyalty to to a duty like uh, yeah I, it's so present and then you got Maul we know what he'll do <laughs> absolutely anything and with <laughs> style which we will talk about yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you really hit the nail on the head with the clones it's one of the uh, the mysteries one of the questions that I think we are invited to ask by this episode of. Yes, of course, we know that they are under the uh, the spell of Order 66 and under the spell of Sidious in terms of wanting to take out Ahsoka. Mm. But that great conversation with Rex about they're willing to die does raise that question of, is that because any command, even if it wasn't this awful manipulation of their minds by Sidious, that because they are soldiers, because they are clones, because they are, uh, believe in doing their duty that they would be willing to give their lives on a command. Yeah, that was a great 
This is a great moment. I mean, Rex's tears have worked effectively twice now in these final few episodes. <laughs> yeah, because I, I the, and by the way, this nothing takes away from the clone's individuality that's built throughout the series. In fact, I think that fuels this even more. I think there is this individual pride in who they are. And so this order, which, by the way, not only is it forced into their brain, this is a weird couple hours here right where you don't we don't know what's going on you have no idea across the galaxy yeah you might know that the ga jedi are being killed but you have no idea that the government is switching that new uniforms are being passed out all this kind of you, you, you and so they're they're following this order here that's why i think it was so powerful for ahsoka to say you're, you're good soldiers you you include rex but like you're all good soldiers. i mean and because that's their undoing here <laughs> if they weren't yeah. good they might throw down their weapons and leave not for some grand noble don't kill Ahsoka, but just like, we got to get out of here and we're not part of this, you know, but it's, it's their undoing. What they are great at is, is their undoing here. And that's so tragic to me. Yeah. It makes it even more of a violation uh, that what mm. Sidious has done to them because th this show does take pride in their individuality. Mm. But as we see again and again, they, as you're saying, they take pride in being soldiers. And I love that we're in this position where this story could have been told, um, no, it, it couldn't have been told this way, but but uh, go with me. Imagine that this was a story where Order 66 wasn't a part of it, and Ahsoka was like, in order to win the war, in order to save this planet, we all have to go down with this ship. It would be seen as a noble sacrifice that these uh, soldiers who believe in themselves as soldiers would be willing to do. So on one hand, it's like, it's not a, it's not a dishonorable thing that they're willing to go down with the ship. But then you get that manipulation of Palpatine and it makes you question all of those things. Yeah, you, you said it there, just it makes what Palpatine uh, did or Sidious did that much more of a violation, a violation of them as individuals. Uh, that's powerful to me. That's powerful to me because you're, you're right. This isn't uh, this is going down and they don't have to, but they have to because that's who they are. <sighs> oh, it's powerful. Damn yeah, you, damn yeah, you, Sidious. It, go ahead. No, I said, damn you, Sidious. <laughs> um, yes damn you Sidious that is really I think the um, we're going to get to what the moral of this episode should be but I think maybe damn you Sidious already won <laughs> um, so we've got that that question from the the clones of why are they willing to die in this particular instance is it a noble thing or is it a horrific manipulation uh, we go to Ahsoka and for me we'll talk about it more as we go through the episode in order but it's the linchpin of this episode of Ahsoka saying they're going to die, but not by my hand. I'm not going to be the one to kill them. I just, I like, I sat up very, very straight <laughs> on my couch <laughs> uh, late at night with my whiskey and my tea. Uh, and just got, I was very uh, emotional about it, but very excited about it. Cause it was getting to the core of a star Wars idea that I really, really like, which is about, yeah, it matters what happens. It matters what we choose to do, but why we choose to do things matters just as much. And I've talked about it a lot recently on Four Center, but this idea of, you know, if if Dooku died in combat, uh, you know, mm. against Kenobi because it was life or death, okay. Yeah. It was that Anakin chose to kill him out of anger and vengeance in the why matters. And I think mm -hmm. there's uh, examples of that again and again in Star Wars, particularly with Jedi wrestling with, well, we do not like violence. We do not want violence, but we do believe in defense. We believe in acting when we have to, and we believe the Sith are a true threat and they, they do need to be put down. Mm. 
but it matters why we do it. And I think having Ahsoka and Rex wrestle with that philosophy of, well, something needs to be done. There's never a question of, can we save everybody? It's just, you know, Ahsoka saying they're going to, they're all going to die, but I won't do it. It matters to her that she is making that choice. Did that affect you? What did you think about that? Yeah, especially towards uh, the end. I'm, I'm before the end, the end. But I mean, just as the ship's going down, I'm thinking, all of them, all of them are gone. And and quite frankly, there was probably nothing they could do. They destroyed the, the uh, the the escape pods. You know, right? That that happens. We we even talked about it uh, the previous episode of like that's going to have some ramifications now, isn't it? <laughs> So, yeah, this idea, the, the choice to be better is this big thing we always keep talking about that's so wonderfully dis- on display in the Battlefront 2 scene and, and sequence with, with Luke and Del Mico. I, I always go back to that. And, and so Ahsoka in this moment, she knows because she could, she could, you know, she clearly can kick ass. We've seen that. And this is a pretty effective clone fighting team there. You know, they do, they do get their shots in. So uh, she, but it, of course she's going to make that choice. She's going to make that choice. I don't know. I'm not saying another Jedi would have said, well, they are not giving me that choice. I'm going to cut them all down. Uh, maybe they would have. Maybe Luminari would have because she's had some exposed some problems in her. So, I, yeah, I, I think it is powerful. I does think it, it's, it is that big theme of, of uh, again, destiny takes you to a, a point. You choose where to go from there. And that is how Ahsoka maintains who she has become. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you're right. Other other Jedi would, and other moments of Star Wars storytelling are just kind of like, hey, yeah, if you're in a kill or be killed uh, position, kill him. And, it, and that's the story. It, it is a story of war. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really interesting that it was made such a central point yeah. of it, Ahsoka isn't worried really, I don't think, about the external, you know, like what would a tribunal say? Is this a war crime? It's just her soul. That, yes, they are not going to die by her hand and, and the power that those are the kinds of choices that, that mm-hmm. people can make even in horrific dire situations uh, yeah. really got me excited about this idea of the, the why of choices matters. Um, yeah. Yeah. To, to the, to the, to, uh, to tag on that. Cause it's such a good point. I'm glad you're digging in here. It's just, yeah. If another Jedi, like I, I'm not even saying like, and I'm not throwing egg in the face of another Jedi. Like, like you, you, that would have been the wrong choice. It might have been tremendously justifiable, you know, it, 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 especially in this war that's going on. But I love that Ahsoka's willing to even go down with the ship quite literally to maintain who she knows she now is. You know, that's that's that's, that's it was real. I'm glad you stood up and sort of <laughs> sat up in your seat. Good moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we will uh, we will definitely uh, dig into it a little bit more as we get to it in the uh, breakdown mm. of the whole show. But other moments of these why of life and death choices, uh, we don't really get to see it on screen, but it's definitely dangled for us that Ahsoka did choose to lead, let Maul out, and that gets brought up right away at the beginning uh, when she said, I let him out as a diversion, and <laughs> Rex says, well, that's one word for it, and mm. uh, Maul's only, I think, actual spoken line, plenty, plenty of grunting and sighing, but uh, you wanted this chaos. Yeah. So th- there's uh, stuff that you can dig into there of why she made that choice. Uh, if she hadn't made that choice, taken that risk, would she have been able to save Rex, all that kind of thing? 
Did that hit you at all? Oh, uh, it did. It did. We'll we'll do the old uh, four center. We'll talk about a later thing uh, for time for sure. Uh, I really love the moment because in in, in watching it, I had that kind of like, well, ooh, ooh, you made a mistake, Ahsoka, and I love that. I love to have. I love having that thought, whether right or wrong in terms of the story. Uh, I love having the thought of, oh, it just came back to bite you because I I love that when that happens in stories. Yeah, it makes it actually complex and makes it the hero not just this uh, perfect character. And and when the characters are not perfect, I think that we can see ourselves in them more uh, and ask ourselves, would you have let them all out? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Again, this is is just kind of big, big choices. Uh, This isn't focused a lot in the episode, but... If you want to dig in, it seems like Ahsoka was really willing to kill Maul mm. uh, with that uh, big swipe at his neck. Mm. Uh, and then I'm, I'm excited to dig into that when we get into the details there. Yeah. The final thing in this uh, big list of uh, why of life and death choices, I do like that it was really highlighted that Ahsoka was respectful to the droids because we're not always respectful of the droids. But she asked them again if they're up for this one more time before she asks for their help and they're all up for it. So I really like that even the droids get a choice mm. in this moment. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you now, why do you think the droids were so all in of like, of course, I think this is a, a testament to droids getting it uh, when, when uh, you know, certainly some programming um, separatist or imperial droids probably have some uh, loyalty and in, in, uh, adherence to uh, the, the rules put before them and, and the mission before them as well. But in this particular moment, the warm side of Ahsoka, the reconnecting with R7, I, 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 I think it's a, it's, it's, it is a testament to, to Ahsoka. Not saying other, I mean, R2 and Anakin uh, had their connections. Uh, all that stuff's present. We've talked about Obi-Wan, jokingly talked about Obi-Wan, kind of seeming uh, not being as droid positive as we'd like him at times. But <laughs> I, I think deep down inside he is. I just think it was a sweet little moment, man. It's a sweet little moment that ends up being heartbreaking for me and everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, when the when the droids, in, including cheap, you know, uh, uh, chirp, chirp their their droid language uh, answer back at ahsoka i just yeah. thought of you know the uh the handmaid saying uh, we are brave <laughs> yeah 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 and, and and um sorry uh yeah and, and it, it ties to me uh i've talked a lot about uh, k2so and choice over programming and how uh, how powerful that is when when you are maybe again programmed to be in service to ahsoka the jedi or the republic or that side of the you know and still now choosing a Above what you know, all right. I'm supposed to do this, but I'm I'm on board for it completely. When I had the choice to back out, that that's what's so powerful about it to me. Yeah, yeah, I totally agreed. So uh, another big picture theme that I think in some ways is is even bigger and more central to Star Wars is letting go. This was so clear visually. Uh, this idea that has been in star Wars since a new hope with Obi-Wan, you know, literally saying it to Luke uh, with Obi-Wan sacrificing himself. We see a lot of letting go uh, Rex struggles with uh, letting go of his brothers, uh, which uh, is, is that central to that scene with him and Ahsoka. Uh, we see uh, visually for me when it really hit is Ahsoka letting go of Maul's ship. 
right? How did that make you feel when you saw her literally let go and we've got a bit of force theme and everything? Uh, you know, you, uh, I don't know if this is direct. File listen, Ken's weird connections, it might be off base a little bit. Uh, this made me think of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade uh, when several of the characters are reaching for that cup and you have to, you know, letting that kind of go. The, the, the pursuit of Maul, uh, maybe the ending of Maul, but also Ahsoka's knowledge that, hey, Maul ain't good. Him roaming around the galaxy is not something that's good. And we, we, we might have to, other people might have to deal with it if it's not me later on. Having in that moment to let all of those kind of things go, because the, the pursuing that type of thing could destroy her in that moment. She's got to preserve herself and others beyond this one goal of, of Maul, Maul, Maul. All of it's kind of there. It just made me, it made me think about that. It made me think about uh, Elsa Snyder and, uh, and uh, Daddy Jones reaching for that cup, and you got to let it go. And Indy, too. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was really powerful to me that we concentrated it on it so much because I feel like it keyed uh, keyed you into this idea of letting go. Of course, we get that same feel of her uh, making the decision to drop her lightsaber. That's obviously pretty straightforward of, of faking her death, but thematically, it's her identity. It's her connection to Anakin. She's letting go of a lot in that moment. Yeah, and I had one of those kind of screaming at the screen, like, you you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Damn it, you did it. Yeah, yeah. I think I had the same reaction of, like, knowing the beautiful tragedy of this era of Star Wars storytelling, knowing that's what had to happen. And don't do it. Don't do the thing that I know you're going to do. <laughs> yeah. um, I think uh, one of the other visual ideas, obviously, that's huge in this episode is the the burial. There's a lot to that, particularly because it is, you know, coming to the end of this era of storytelling. It's coming to the end of the clones in general. But just the cultural idea that in the real world, burial is a form of letting go. It's a form of respect to the fallen, but it's also a form of how the living handle that loss and are able to move on from it. Did that, uh, uh, did it affect you on that level? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's, uh, even graduation days are sad right? <laughs> and those are generally supposed to be happy. Yeah, man. Letting go is, is, a. you know, I, I think that's part of the lesson that is, is felt in uh, Obi-Wan's death at a new hope. Just, you, you have to grow beyond that death. Uh, you you have to find things on your own, and 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 there's some there's some truth to that here. There's also the big picture of just the journey, and Rex and Ahsoka. Uh, have you got that the, the image of rebuilt R seven just there? <laughs> like God, that hurt me. It really did. Um, it teared up. Uh, so yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, Star Wars in the real world, man. It, it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the final beat on this letting go theme is I think you can make some arguments of what is going on with Vader right at the end. Is he letting go of Ahsoka in uh, a small part of Anakin going, all right, uh, uh, fair enough, she's gone? Or is there a part of Vader going, maybe she's not, uh, maybe she's not dead, but I'm not pursuing this. But to me, there was very much a spirit of, I'm not pursuing this any farther. I am letting this go. Oh, yeah. We're going to. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. This is, um, <laughs> this is a great discussion to be had because I think it's all right. 
I think everything you're saying yeah. is right. I think there's a lot of other things that are going to be discussed in here when we go beat by beat. And uh, to, to view it as a, a Vader, Vader slash Anakin letting go of Ahsoka is is so wonderfully layered. And this is why I love this episode. I think a lot of this episode talked about is like, oh, this is a great third act and there's lessons to be had in the action. And we're, we're definitely there on that. The last four minutes of this are some of my favorite Star Wars, you know? And, and yeah. it really works. And because it, it works because there's so many different possibilities and all, all are true from certain points of view. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the big themes uh, that jumped out to me of the, obviously life and death stakes, but the why behind them, this large Star Wars idea that you have sometimes in order to survive or move on, you have to, let go and what all that means. So we can look more at those themes as we dive into all of the details, but here's some other big picture things about not just this episode, but this final season of the clone wars. So we know from various, uh, the, the reels that were the production reels that were released for a couple more episodes, uh, Filoni and team discussing other different possible arcs that there were others, other stories that maybe still could have been told within the clone wars. But this final arc really did make the choice, whether it was thematic or whether it was we only get so many episodes. These are the stories we're going to tell. This final arc really featured Ahsoka and Rex as the main characters. Anakin, Padme, Obi-Wan, they all got some great moments. But this last season was definitely Ahsoka and Rex's story. How do you feel about that? How does that uh, sit with you? I feel slightly conflicted. Uh, and and I get it on a lot of levels and love it on a lot of levels. I think it was, you talked about how even just this particular episode is is really hyper-focused, and that term drive you used, I think these final few episodes, including the Trace and Rafa stuff, having a lot, if not everything, to do with a 95% range with Ahsoka and, and, and Rex, but Ahsoka is something I, I really I really love because she she is one of my favorite characters. And, and there's so much to learn from her there, and there's so much to explore even even more. But yeah, there's, a, there's a feeling of, especially with Padme, because the Clone Wars series did such a good job of expanding that character during this time uh, of the story. I, I think, you know, the shadow of Anakin hangs over every, you know, every moment almost with, with Ahsoka at times to me. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, look, Dave, Dave Filoni and, and, and team made this choice. And part of the reason they can make this choice is because Revenge of the Sith exists. Because Attack of the Clones exists. <laughs> we have those answers, especially because this runs alongside of it. Um, but yeah, yeah. And conflicted because this series was so good. You know what I mean? That's a good thing. Yeah. You've given me so many good things with these three characters. I would have liked just a little bit more during these final few uh, episodes. Yeah, I think I am with you. I think I feel conflicted because I really appreciate the elegance of this, that there is an arc that really celebrate, celebrates Rex and moves him into a specific uh, position. There's an arc that celebrates Ahsoka, and then there is this final arc where they come together. They are the characters. If they're not the main characters of the Clone Wars, uh, from an audience perspective... Uh, they are certainly the, the characters whose story this show has a responsibility to finish. So the fact yeah. that that focus is there, and it also can still be a summary of the Clone Wars because we have the key actors. We have mm. a Jedi in Ahsoka, 
obviously there's some uh, pedantic terminology to be discussed there, but for the uh, benefit of this, Ahsoka being a Jedi and Rex being a clone and they are the main actors of the Clone Wars. So it's, you still feel like their individual stories are being told, but also the story of the Clone Wars is being completed. Mm. I think then on the other hand, other side of it, I feel like for me, the experience of watching the Clone Wars animated series is it was in some ways a great anthology and because we start with Ahsoka and Rex as the new characters, they feel like the through line. But it also, to me, always did feel like it is. This is also Ahsoka or uh, Padme's story and Anakin and Obi Wan because we get to learn a lot more about them. We get to see, in particular, with Padme and Obi Wan, like some other sides of their personality. Um, with Anakin, we get to see a lot more of the noble, loving kind of older brother figure of Anakin Skywalker. And there wasn't as much room for that in the actual prequels. So I, I think I don't really have a problem with it. I think with this last season focusing on Ahsoka and Rex, it makes a lot of sense. I think there's a part of me that just also wants it to be okay. That in, in my heart, all of them are main characters mm-hmm. of the clone wars series. Ultimately. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm with you too. And it looked this this reframes, some of the series, and again, and, and I'm saying this in, in generally a positive light here, reframe some of the series as Ahsoka and Rex, and Rex is kind of this spokesperson for the rest of the clones. It's kind of a point of view, seeing the other characters through their eyes, whether or not they're there for every scene. I'm not saying that. Just kind of this spiritual point of view character. I can, I can totally live with that, but I, I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you. There's um, this, this series did such a good job of... of Going into uh, Palpatine moments, uh, uh, Yoda. I mean, uh, hot damn! Season six, the last episodes. There's a lot of Yoda, and and it's all finished. You know, you know, I don't didn't need Yoda popping up in these final episodes, but yeah. So, so again, final final thought for me on it. Yeah, I, I'm conflicted, but that that that's just a testament to how good this previous seasons were. Agreed, and I will say that uh, even though there these stories focused on Ahsoka and Rex, I do feel like the moments that we got with Padme, Anakin, Obi Wan were all great, and they weren't just throwaways. Uh, in particular, as a big Obi Wan fan, I was really happy with his final appearances, seeing his concern about the Jedi Council, seeing his understanding and appreciation of the relationship between ahsoka and anakin and that respect and concern i thought was was a great tribute to obi-wan's part in this uh whole arc of that relationship agreed agreed so along those lines would we ever want more clone wars or is it time to let go (laughs) so obviously timeline wise you know we're pretty good we've covered a lot but there are in particular a couple of threads that got started in the animated series. Uh, I think in particular Boba Fett that they had had plans to kind of complete his arc and get him in the armor or closer to all the way in the armor. Uh, do you want there ever to be like, Oh, here's some, uh, here's a couple other random adventures that Obi-Wan, Ahsoka and Anakin had, and here's the Boba Fett arc. Or do you just want to say this was elegant? It's done. Oh, Joseph, it's it's too early on Monday to be asking me these tough emotional questions because <laughs> I do think it's time to let go of this era of, of storytelling. Not not overall, not overall. We got that great Clone Wars uh, anthology coming and everything like that. But I'm just like, in terms of this series and the story it tell, told about the war and these make, I, I kind of am ready to maybe move on a little bit. 
and then come back to it later. So maybe when I'm ready to come back to it and, and other people in the fandom are ready to come back to it, some probably want a new series, Clone Wars Part 2, starting tomorrow, and I would not disagree with you. The Boba Fett thing, yeah, because remember, remember, remember when this was announced? Are we gonna get the? Are we gonna get the Cad Bane moment? Are we gonna get? There's stuff there that if you were to tell me, once a year, twice a year, once a quarter, we get a Clone Wars animated special on Disney Plus, a 45 minute movie or an hour movie or something like that, or hell, a two hour movie of the Boba Fett Chronicles or stuff like that. Uh, I'd be on board with it. I'd be on board with it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think we're in the same place. I think this has been so emotional and it feels like the big picture story of the Clone Wars animated series is finished. So I think I like letting it rest, mm -hmm. but I do want, I'm hung up on that Boba Fett story because I really liked what they did with him. It's a, such a debate that, that fans have, uh, particularly fans mm -hmm. who grew up with the original trilogy who were maybe not as sure, like liked Boba Fett as the mysterious guy and didn't like knowing more about his past. I enjoyed all that, and I think that there's so much story to be told about how Boba Fett feels about being a clone and about the Jedi killing his father and how he how exactly he finishes his journey. I think I care more that that story gets finished somewhere somehow mm. than wanting another season of Clone Wars that kind of jams some stories in somewhere. Yes, uh, these these real hyper-focused kind of things because, uh, you know, in regards to Boba Fett, yeah, they this series did something. So if take, if taking something that, remember, Attack of the Clones, and, and not Daniel Logan himself, but just there was a little bit of like, uh, we, then we got 12-year-old Boba Fett. Do we need that? There, there was those conversations back in the day. And not necessarily right, not necessarily wrong. But to take that and go, here is... The why, you and I keep talking about the why of things. Here's why it works. And it's such a good job explaining that character, getting on side. Yeah, it made me appreciate the character of Boba Fett that I, I've always kind of just not written off, but just kind of looked at as a cool armor and not much more for me in the star. I'm not a huge Boba Fett original trilogy guy. Um, I, I think you're right. So for me, like... I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if you can do this in an animated series. It might be a better novel, quite frankly. I, you know, I'd, I'd challenge someone, give me a, an E.K. Johnston uh, look at uh, Padme during these final moments leading into Revenge of the Sith, her perspective getting in her mind. It'd be a challenge because I don't know if yeah. George left a, a, a enough morsels to play with. You'd really have to have that challenge, much like the Boba Fett thing of tell me. Tell me, can you in a in a in a in an hour long Clone Wars type of movie or a book similar to the, the Padme books? Can you can you sell me on the idea that that Padme gave up or what happened? And I don't want Palpatine Sidious theories. I don't want all that kind of stuff. Explain to me what happened on the screen and and retell that part. I'm I'm open to those kind of hyper focused. Here's Padme stories. Here's Boba Fett stories. Here's Cad Bane story. I don't know. You know. Yeah, yeah, and make it more about the character than the arc of the Clone Wars. Yes. Makes a ton of sense. Uh, so moving on to a, a kind of an, a different kind of conversation. So obviously when <laughs> Disney-era Lucasfilm started, there was this big announcement that all the comic books and all the novels and the video games would all be connected with the movies and the animated series and we've talked a lot about what's good and bad about uh really being hounds about canon about what is and isn't accurate how do things uh, interact so this 
arc of this final arc of the Clone Wars just directly disagrees with the opening uh, chapter, the prelude of the Ahsoka novel that at the time I think it, it was what had been generally written for this final arc. It's got uh, some stuff with uh, some different dialogue between Ahsoka and Maul. It's got uh, Ahsoka tricking Maul into a, a re, ray uh, beam captivation, uh, uh, capturing him that way. So big picture, it's just unlike some things where you can kind of be like, oh, headcanon, maybe this happened, maybe that happened, maybe it's a certain point of view. You could maybe do a little bit of that. But for the most part, it just directly disagrees. One would have to assume because Filoni got the opportunity to actually make this and then said... I don't want to be beholden to what was in a book. I want to do what's best for the screen. I'm assuming uh, I haven't heard that in an interview. How are you feeling about all that? I am. Oh God, I can't keep saying conflicted, right? I can't keep saying that word. Joseph, let me do a, a web thesaurus. I can't even say thesaurus, <laughs> right? Let me start. Let me start there. Getting that word. No, uh, here's I, I'm okay with this overall, but this one in particular, I don't, yeah, I get it. I think you're right. I think they didn't think they were getting the chance. It wasn't like Dave took. And by the way, everyone, when I say Dave, I, I say team. There's a lot of people that go into this, and I think I think everyone understands that when we say it. But Dave definitely has the cowboy hat in the situation here. <laughs> I think with it, it isn't as though he went into some brand new canon material and said, "Nah." He went into something that kind of was his own. Uh, the Ahsoka novel, E.K. Johnson had a lot of those scripts, right? So he didn't think, no one thought, no one thought they'd get the get the chance to do it again. So I totally am on board for him having the ability to do it again, because let's not forget who his mentor is, George Lucas. I'm not concerned with his own canon, let alone whatever <laughs> Legends comic book you loved. So there's great benefit, and you and I have talked about, we, we, we had that big conversation that came up a couple weeks ago about uh, holding on to canon, letting go of canon. Does not mean... You know, I had someone tweet me misunderstanding a little bit what what uh what we meant of just like no, canon's important. Otherwise, you have uh, you know, uh, reboots or you know that that's not what we are saying. We love canon. I literally Alex Damon just put out his canon timeline video on Star Wars Explained. I love that stuff. I love looking at the the story map and going here this beat this beat that beat. Which is why I'm I'm slightly a little disappointed that it's. Rel it's more than relatively different. It's different than the Ahsoka novel because I really like that. But I think the spirit's still there, and I'll choose to land on that, Joseph. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's great to be conflicted. I think this is the the dance of canon. Of I absolutely adore canon because not because it's a memorizing facts and who who is on which planet at what time. It's not about the facts. It's about this feeling that it is all connected. And if you read something in a book, it's fun to just go, oh, wow, I know that Leia didn't tell Kylo or didn't tell Ben yet about Vader because that's in Bloodline. And I know that that is one of the things she's wrestling with in The Force Awakens of that's got to be a what if in her mind of what if we had sat him down when he was 10 years old and said, you know, or whatever age and, and told him, you know, uh, it enriches the stories to have it all connected. But then I also think on the other hand, so, so uh, I, I could, I am in danger of getting pedantic and going, but yep. wait, but wait, it, how could it not match? Because then, then mm -hmm. it means everything crumbles. Uh, but I like, I want to use star Wars to resist that and just say, just let go. Just, it, we know the real world reasons that it happened. 
And I would rather that a creator follows their vision than feels locked in uh, yeah. by those kind of choices. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I just, it's, and, and you know, that, that term retcon gets thrown around a lot. And sometimes it's just, I'm sorry, people use it incorrectly. Uh, Poe Dameron's origins were not retconned. If, if, if Rise of Skywalker, he said, my, oh, my parents, uh, Bob and Cheryl Dameron and not uh, Cheryl Bay and Kess Dameron, that's, that's retcon. Learning something new about his teen years is just more of the story. This does retcon some of the details. But again, I, I, I can take some comfort in going, what happens though? Maul's captured. I'm good with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's it goes back to, uh, like you said, Spirit should be more important than details. Mm-hmm. And when when you and I were growing up in in the olden times, Ken, <laughs> uh, Yoda was blue in the Empire Strikes Back novel, and you just yeah. went, "Cool, weird, huh?" Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's partially the the joy of having modern canon, where you know these big emotional beats matter, uh, but also just there is a power in being able to let it go. Yeah. Um, For myself, the other thing I would say about this is I know I see uh, Matt Martin in particular uh, gets tweets over the years saying, oh, where was this character while this event was happening? Right. And he always says, we don't know. Uh, We're only going to tell that story. uh, We're only going to know that information if there's a reason to tell it in the story, you know, which goes to, again, this isn't about facts. It's about storytelling. And this is one of the first times that made me feel like, I am happy that all of the decision makers uh, in Lucasfilm are sometimes cautious about, especially for big characters, big moments. Let's be really cautious about when we paint ourselves into a corner, when we mention something, let's really wait Mm. to tell a story as cool as it was to read that in the beginning of the Ahsoka novel. There's a part of me of like, that was really awesome. But did we need to tell that little bit of that story at that time or could we have waited? Um, And I think it makes me happy that when the creative deciders say if it's a big story, let's wait and let it breathe and let it be its own story and not paint ourselves into a corner. Yeah. Yeah, no, well said. We're uh, going to talk about this a little bit later in the show because there's something else that happened that I am pounding my fist on fist on the desk going, I don't care when and where. I'm just glad I saw it. And this one's a little different. And and here's the thing, too, for Star Wars fans, you know, just especially the last few years, I think you can be both. And, and you know you can be both. And I, ho- I hope people listening know that you could be like, love this canon moment. Love that this one's a little uh, a little loose. And uh, I'm conflicted about this one. You know, like, it, it, Star Wars is big enough for all of those feelings and still coming away loving it. And and that's what I think is beautiful beautiful about, about not necessarily what just you and I talk about, but our Force Center community, uh, Joseph, what, what they have in the Discord. They just, uh, there's a, a connective thread of, it's all right. You you can not like this. You can struggle with this and still love it all. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling some of your, like, man, that, that, that beginning, that was pretty cool, but why do we need that? Why is it here? I'm feeling you on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I guess you can always, if you want to, you can always uh, go to various ideas of, well, these are these are different stories laid down by different historians, and that's ah. the way somebody uh, heard it, uh, even though it's, you know, goes into Ahsoka's mind, all that kind of things. 
uh, or I suppose you can you can try to just find a way to jam it in the story. Uh, maybe they had a second <laughs> battle after uh, after <laughs> after it looks like they captured them all. Maybe he escaped <laughs> and one more time, and then they got him back. <laughs> Both are true. Uh, moving on to the uh, end of our first half here, the moral of this episode. So this whole last arc uh, did not have the moral. So we have been looking each episode of what moral we might have. What do you think the moral of this final episode of the Clone Wars might be? Um, oh gosh, let go of what is letting, uh, let go of what is holding you back. Going forward, oh God, did those words make sense on a page? Let me write that down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I sorry. think that's a good one. Okay, uh, that would be a hell of a moral if it was just like let go. Let go. <laughs> you don't know exactly what it means. Uh, the one I came up with is even in darkness, light prevails. Um, oh, yeah, because oh, I good. felt like this episode without really leaning into this episode didn't have some of the star Wars staples of, of literally talking about hope or we talked about last week, what the last image might be revenge of the Sith goes out of its way to go dark, but end on that. But remember Luke will be a new hope and, and that kind of idea. And we thought, well, maybe, maybe this episode will do that. And it did not, but I still feel like, throughout the episode because of the choices that Ahsoka and Rex are making, the conversations they're having, there is that sense of, of light prevailing, even though this darkness has descended. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Uh, you win this round, Kenobi. Yeah, no, that's great. I love that. <laughs> uh, final thing on the first half is the action. We always like to talk about the action. Did you have a favorite action moment in a really action-packed final episode? Um... Like, does this count? I absolutely think one of my favorite Star Wars visuals ever is uh, going to be, I'm always going to count the Star Destroyer uh, coming out of hyperspace with uh, just smoke and flames coming out of it. Uh, again, I think so. I, I loved it. And later on, when it goes through the clouds, it was up there with that Holdo man- maneuver and the and the image of, of, of that. Uh, you know, the rat is going through all the... Uh, the, the the first order ships it, it was like <gasps> like that first time i saw it and it, you know so that can, that'll be my answer i'll stand by it <laughs> i think it's a good one and a powerful one uh, there is a solid history in star wars of star destroyer shots being very emotional and having this very emotional lots of emotional shots of the venator class uh, republic era uh, star destroyer was really really powerful um Obviously, Maul's big action scene was amazing, but in particular, I really loved the moment where he found the clone helmet in his hands and used that to block some shots because it just, it was not only a cool move, but it reemphasized the helmet as a symbol. Yeah. Um, So I like that. And then the other really small one is lots of great Ahsoka moments. There's one moment goes by very fast where she chops a clone's blaster in half. Mm. And there's just a half second where the clone just looks down at their blaster like, (laughs) <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> uh, yeah, just, yeah. it, I really like those little human moments in, uh, in big action stories. Yeah. All right. So that is our look at some of the big picture stuff. We are going to take a quick break and then we're going to dive into all of the details of victory and death.
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And we are back 
on the Clone Wars Report to discuss the final episode of The Clone Wars, Victory and Death. Can we start on Cliffhanger? Uh, we start exactly where we left off, which uh, my serial adventure heart just loves picking up exactly where we left off. Uh, we see Ahsoka and Rex trapped in the med bay, and Ahsoka really takes the lead here. She asks Rex to set blasters to stun. She waits for the troopers to finish cutting down the door, and then she throws it at him with the force. Uh, as they escape, Rex asks if Ahsoka heard that uh, Maul escaped, and Ahsoka says, uh, yeah, I let him out as a diversion. And Rex says, that's one word for it. So that's kind of a, our first beat we're going to dig into. How did you feel about seeing Ahsoka really take charge? Um, Great, needed. I think uh, Rex is a, a great leader, a, a great leader, but I think he's a little jostled, right? He just had a chip removed from his brain. He... Got his head uh, pushed, uh, you know, she knocked his head back into that display and uh, his brothers are running around trying to kill him. Not saying Rex can't handle his stuff, but hey, maybe Ahsoka's ability to kind of uh, focus on the force and the duty at hand. And it was just a great, great testament to seven years of Ahsoka. Go back to Snips. Go back there. Here she is, uh, this final flight or, uh, you know, fight or flight type of situation going life and death. Uh, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. There's a part of me that's like, well, yeah, that's the everything you said. Rex is uh, really not at his best at the moment. He's coming to. Uh, and of course, it's the normal procedure that they that the clones will follow their Jedi generals. This is kind of a special situation. But I, I just really felt it as I was watching felt going back to Rex meeting snips and giving her advice uh, about what he thinks makes, you know, a good soldier, a good commander and to see her. So we've seen her at different points in the Clone Wars. They, you know, we've seen her be in charge of clones and fumble and make a mistake. And we've seen her grow and become more confident. But like this moment, this final episode, they're definitely working together in that they are both fighting for one another's survival as well as their own. But it just felt so powerful that she was like, nope, I'm making the decisions. I know how to go forward. I will lead. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't mean just to be the the yes man here, but uh, yeah, I really uh, I hadn't uh, even the first viewing. We just got it. You know, I think I'm I'm like you here, and like a lot of people. The first viewing, you just got your drink of choice, coffee for me. Uh, actually, no, I did watch it uh, late. We'll talk about the journey to to watch it uh, rel- earlier than I planned, but still late. Um, but you know, you just kind of take it all in, and then the second time is when I really kind of thought them first meeting, Snip showing up, and and part of that journey, which is you should be thinking about that. Yeah, this is just such a great uh, full circle feeling. And I think uh, then ties into other dynamics between them in the episode that Rex is so comfortable with Ahsoka as leader. Um, how did you feel about hearing Rex's concern about Maul? Did that just initially play for you as that's a, yeah, that would that would be a thing that would be concerning for Rex to hear? Or did it make you question Ahsoka's wisdom? It absolutely made me question Ahsoka's wisdom, and I mean that in a really good way. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about mistakes. I think sometimes these characters make mistakes, but even I don't know if I'd have them make a different choice. And so I love exploring that choice and maybe knowing that this might be a mistake. I'm going to have to deal with that, but I still need to make this here now. And I think Ahsoka might be pretty solid with that or doubting some of it, you know, on the fly. That's a different story. But to have Rex, because remember, Rex just kind of goes, ah, you hear the, uh, you know, thing going around the room of the smalls escaped. Well, I did that. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do that? 
He's a Sith Lord, a former Sith Lord in a box where his power, we what? Uh, I like that. I really like that. Yeah, I had to stop myself from just taking a photo of the uh, captions with his with his actual line, which is, what? Why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is, uh, for my money, like, you can write the fanciest joke you want. Uh, almost nothing is funnier to me than, what? Why? <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, another moral, I think, uh, of this episode could be uh, uh, sometimes a solution becomes a problem. And I, I like that that's what's at stake here of this question of mm-hmm. would Ahsoka, did Ahsoka truly need that distraction last episode? Would she have been able to uh, survive in rescue wrecks without the, dis- the distraction of Maul? Or was that a, a little reckless? Was that a little bit of a, yep, you are Anakin's Padawan kind of thing to do? Yeah, I, I I think it was wonderfully reckless. Uh, I think there's that's part of this lesson of of choices, but just just in that moment, because again, it was not only I think she needed to do it, she really did need to do it. But there's some there's some humanity or you know death emerity uh, in it, uh, <laughs> you know, on Ahsoka's part of just like no, I'm not going to strike him down. I wouldn't, you know, leaving him in the box. I don't, you know. Tactically, uh, you know, there's probably some Jedi Council members who are like, wait, what, why? But I, 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 again, I love exploring that you wouldn't do anything different, but man, that might not have been the best thing. And that, that's very, very true. I'm really glad that you brought that up because there are the, in her release of him in the previous episode, there are the elements of, well, in theory, he has knowledge that is vital. Mm. And then there's just the humanity or a death of Mirianity mm. to it, <laughs> as you were saying of yeah he was just going to be ruthlessly shot down in the box like in an animal you know um shouldn't even treat an animal like that um yeah and how much i know ahsoka said diversion but how much of it was a little bit of humanity of like yeah you can't just i'm not gonna let you just shoot an unarmed prisoner right yeah Yeah. so a lot a lot to turn around in that which is really uh, intriguing maybe someday we'll get some more storytelling there but from now we move on in this episode to a uh, mall being loose uh, we got the great mall hallway the mallway scene last episode and this this is a scene where mall gets to revisit some of his classics uh he makes a mess in a generator room just like when we yeah. first met him different kind of generator but still yeah. Yeah. uh so he, he uh, has some great hallway antics he heads the generator room lots of cool and horrific action and mall pulls the hyperdrive generators down did you enjoy the action here? Uh, and was there any specific beats that you enjoyed? This was a great video game level. Did we play this already? Uh, <laughs> it seems like, uh, you know, something you'd have to do on Fallen Order 9 or whatever. But I really did like this sequence because, uh, you know, the question here, of why do you think Maul went so big? I, I was just like, whoa, buddy, whoa. <laughs> You've got to get off this too. <laughs> but this is how he sees it. This is how he views the world. And it is... A great juxtaposition to some of the stuff we've just had with Ahsoka and Rex and put your blasters on stun and they might die, but I'm not going to do it. All these kind of things that are all played through this episode cut to Maul just like, uh, you're dead, you're dead. And all eight of you are dead and I'm going to throw a helmet like, and, and that's who he is. And so it was a bit too much because that's what Maul is too much. And I love it. 
Yeah. Yeah. It fits perfectly into what we were discussing on a main show recently of enjoying the evil. While on the one hand, it's the sort of power fantasy of like, Oh, that's cool. Look at the cool force movie did, but also thinking through what is the reality of that of, yeah, other characters are wrestling with how can I possibly turn against my brothers, even though they've turned against me, they're Mm -hmm. all going to die, but I can't be the one who kills them you know, three minutes earlier, all those kind of things. And then Maul is just like, yeah, nope. Your blaster goes over here. Your head goes here. <laughs> You're down in the pit here. Bye, 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 bye. And it is both thrilling and horrifying. Um, and, and for me, there is that level of, this is a part of Star Wars. It's a, uh, the, the power fantasy, the cool moves are a part of what's enjoyable about it in seeing some different ones. We have seen so many people, pushed backward off a thing there's that one just yes. kind of makes that like diagonal slice it's just like you are going to bounce downward off of that fall diag- uh, wall diagonally way over there and you know the the spin in the blaster the blocking with the helmet it's all very it's fresh and inventive for horrific force violence yeah all through these Fatal four episodes a lot of like again a lot of jamming on the x button as i call it and uh <laughs> and that's not a bad thing that's you know fallen orders a game i liked not loved but one of the things I once I got some of those force pull powers, that's all I did. So oh, it, it, yeah. it counts, man. Yeah, you really feel like a Jedi when you pull someone over to you and then spear them with a lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. Compassionately. Uh, yeah, so this was huge, huge for Maul, as you were saying. Maul went, went big here, and I think it's a, a part of the uh, storytelling of, oh, uh, Ahsoka expected a little chaos, and he's like, you want chaos? I will show you chaos. I will drive us all down into death, 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 and just kind of a, a huge scale of force using, and the yeah. visual storytelling emphasizes that. Did you like that just as kind of a, a grand operatic, like this is the scale of his power, this is the scale yeah. of his anger? Look, man, we've uh, just, uh, uh, he, what is it? He was uh, witness it witness to this via his like kind of visions or connection to the, this is unlimited power, man. Right. And this is a little bit of that fantasy too. You talked about when we talked about on the celebrating the evil, like you said, enjoying the evil. Yeah. He go, go big or go home. And he's gonna, he's almost, there's almost glee to me in his eyes. Like, Oh, I'm supposed to get off the ship. Cool. I'm going to tear it down. That'll get me to the ground. I'll find a way from there. Like, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed all cutting loose a little bit here. Uh, in just that simple Star Wars kind of cool, as cool, but you know, it's nice to see everyone's. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. realize I'm praising the former Sith Lord, but <laughs> yeah, I like that. There's this arc has been so great to see Maul struggling to be the tactician, and then having these extremely emotional moments of just let me die, and this just feels like an emotional moment. Uh, I love what you're saying about the dark side increasing. Maybe that is even, maybe he's even just feeling it. Uh, yeah. The death of those Jedi everywhere is, is fueling him and his anger and nihilism is fueling him. And it, it yeah. all just comes across visually of like, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, hit a button to deactivate one engine. I am going to tear it all down right. is a great visual metaphor. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we go on to uh, Soka and Rex. They make it to the hangar bay with the droids help. Uh, the hangar bay is locked down. Uh, Rex remarks to the clones, if they weren't trying to kill us, I'd be proud of the good job yeah. they're doing locking things down. Uh, they realize the ship is caught in the gravitational pull of the moon. What did that image and idea make you feel 
once the we fully realized this is what's happening is the ships driving to the moon. I I really you talk about the big theme too, and, and it go, look the first moment I'm watching this, I'm not thinking, oh, this is the lesson of the Clone Wars. We're heading towards an ending. We can't, you know, those those come on the second viewings for me. I just watched the first viewings with a with a big smile, which is also again we said before, but why I hated being part of not not hated being part of the shows, but hated when I was asked watch the show, run to a studio and talk about it. I just, I watched this first moment of just as a Star Wars fan and it was uh, this impending doom, disaster. How are they going to get out again? Because we know, uh, we know that they're going to get out. That's not, that's not what this is about. I don't need that tension. I need the why answered and, and to explore it. And, and so I was pulled in just like the ship was pulled in by the moon. That's a great point about we know they're going to get out because I hadn't really reflected until you just said that of obviously I knew they were going to get out. I know their story goes on, but how successful the heightening of the stakes was for me because it specifically puts that pressure on. I know they're going to survive. So what are they willing to do in order to survive? I think is really powerful to everything that it starts happening here with Maul pulling down the generators. Um, yeah, I just really loved the almost meta element of this almost feels like Filoni saying, um, and this is, I don't think this is, I'm not saying this is what he thinks. I'm saying it's how it makes me feel. Yeah. It feels like a creator saying, this is what it's felt like to tell the story of the Clone Wars. You know, we've had the funny moments with Snips, you know, uh, and Anakin having adventures. We've had uh arcs with just droids uh, hanging out, <laughs> hanging around in voids. We've had a lot of fun, a lot of weirdness, a lot of insight, but it's always been this. It's always been inescapably driving to the darkness. Mm. It is The ship is going to crash on the moon. Order 66 is going to happen. Anakin is going to fall. So the question is the how and the why. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If you're doing your job as a storyteller, stuff stuff might be there that you don't even know if you're that connected to the story. And, and, and the Clone Wars team is connected to this story. Yeah, yeah. And, and I appreciate what you're saying, but just watch it the first time you're caught up in the story. And I think there's a, a great, great choices here about where it's set because everything, because it's set in these ships that we know so well from the Clone Wars animated series as well as, you know, the, the prequel movies, but we spent more time in them in the Clone Wars animated series that it, it makes you, I think even if you're not thinking of it consciously, it is so revisiting where the show has been in the symbols of the Republic. And that's where it's all falling apart, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love, I love the image of like, this is the, the, the class of Star Destroyer. We so associate with this series, the prequels, and there it is breaking apart. Eh, It's It's coming down. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the droids do get the doors open, revealing a new and new class uh, transport, and Jesse and the clones are waiting to capture Ahsoka and Rex. It's a standoff. Now, at this point in the episode, did you feel, when you were watching the first time, were you like, oh, this is it? This is the final showdown. This is the centerpiece of this episode. Or were you still wondering how far the story would go you know were you still wondering are we going to see ahsoka and rex you know land split up is there going to be a montage from avenger the sith where were you at in this moment well first of all jesse 
Jesse, Jesse and the clones. Boom, 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 boom. Um, so I have to, I have to confess the, the first time uh, buffering got me. I love that you bring this Ooh. up, Joseph, because this is, this is what this is. I was like, I was into this moment. I, I love the image of all the clones. Jesse, who's been around for a while, was just interrogated by Maul. You know, he's in the Pawn Krell stuff. This is a, this is a character, right? This is a character we know. So I'm there for it. And a lot of times Disney Plus, which I, I, I absolutely love the service. I, I, I guess I'm more of a Disney mark than I knew because I'm watching that new series, uh, Disney in a, a, a One Day or whatever. They're going around all different. I watched the, the train conductor uh, at Disneyland Anaheim. <laughs> like, I, I'm in on Disney Plus, okay? And but every once in a while, it does this weird buffering thing. It buffers, it buffers, and it jumps back about 30 seconds. It did that right here. And so I got to see there was only like three or four minutes left. <laughs> and I was like... Oh, we're here. Okay. And man, that kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there there are technically more minutes left, but but yeah. seeing the minutes made you know we're not going to yes. get a bunch more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I knew the episode was like 23 minutes. You, you get that includes credits and that <clears throat> that also includes like foreign language credits and everything. So, yeah, it popped. I'm telling you, it popped up. The clones march out and also does the, the spinning wheel of death. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no. And I was worried that it was going to jump ahead. Like suddenly I was going to be like two minutes ahead, which has never really done that. It always goes like 30 seconds back. And then the time code came up and I was like, oh, okay. So anyways, the point being, the point being, that's a great question because I, I, I wasn't sure. I was like, what else are we got? You know, Obi-Wan's not going to come swinging through here and saving the day. I know any, but, but there's, is there some other confrontation or something bigger? And, and this was it. And, and I'm happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, a great uh, experience. Uh, at least a great story to hear. It's not a great thing to experience. I've had that buffer as well, yeah. uh, where they suddenly freeze uh, on screen and then they go on talking and then there's the spinning wheel and you jump back. Yep. Um, I really made a choice. I wrestled with myself as the episode started of like, do I want to hit that pause button so I can know the episode length? And I decided, no, I want to let it wash over me. And I'm glad I did that because it was this great experience where once we got to this point, it just felt like there's too much symbolism. There's too much stake set up. Yeah. Uh, I thought going into this episode that there was a possibility of like, eh, the first uh, five, 10 minutes is them getting off the ship. And then we're going to really deal with uh, Ahsoka and Rex uh, splitting up and heading off. And, you know, maybe it is going to, we're going to see Ahsoka react to feeling things in the force or hearing that mm. uh, message that Obi-Wan coded from the Jedi temple to not come home and all that. And there was this wonderful moment of discovery of like, no, no, this is, this is all the, the chess pieces moved into position for, the big finale. Yeah. Which I, I, which I really in the end love that decision. Yeah. But yeah, which we'll talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we get this now to me, I think the heart of the episode in some ways, this emotional scene between Ahsoka and Rex, we're going to break it down into a, a couple of chunks because there's plenty to talk about. Uh, so Rex suggests fighting their way through once the clones have them all cornered. Uh, and Ahsoka says that she doesn't want to hurt the clones. Uh, Rex says the clones don't care. They are willing to die at that. Ahsoka removes Rex's helmet, uh, sees that Rex is uh, shedding a tear. And Ahsoka says that they, the men down there are good so soldiers. And so is Rex. What did you feel was going through Rex's mind at this moment? What, what, how did that hit you? <sighs> a great scene. And, and this is one of those, Hey man, I don't have the right answers, but I just took it in as this. And, and 
I think uh, obviously he's feeling tremendous loss, but I, I think he's up against the the futile nature of what they were bred to be. Uh, and, and going back to the last episode, the comp, you know com- complicated relationship with the war. Without it, we're not here. So he's that. It's the brothers. It's just a simple surface level of I fought alongside these guys. Now they're trying to kill me. We being overwhelmed, like we talked about earlier. But for Ahsoka to even in these final moments, acknowledge what they were. They were good soldiers. You were bred to be that. You became more than that, but you were great at what you did, and I fought alongside with you. It's this, it's this loss and and recognition. It is definitely pain knowing he has to move forward. You talked about letting go. That is absolutely such a powerful theme in this episode. has to let go of all of it, and that 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 tear is so earned. It's all that in the moment, and, and, and Ahsoka... You know, it's a big, it's a big moment for Ahsoka for me as well, just to be like, yeah, yeah, no, this, you, you were bred for war and you were good at it, but you were even more than that. And I saw you as individuals and you're that too. You are what you were supposed to be. I don't know. It it, it, it was a real powerful moment for me. A lot of powerful moments. I keep saying that because this episode had a bunch of them. It was incredibly powerful. And I feel like that's what's so meaningful to me about this scene is there's this moment with Rex in just a moment. uh, There's kind of a little bit more of a a moment with Ahsoka, but I feel like they're both really dealing with the story of the Clone Wars has been clones bred for battle. We discover the humanity. Jedi who are intended to be peacekeepers tell themselves there's peacekeepers, but they become generals of war and these two characters are, are being individuals in this moment, but they're also acting as these symbols of the clones and the Jedi and wrestling with those uh, philosophies. And I think you said a bunch of powerful, beautiful stuff, Ken. I was really struck by just the great truth of Rex is a good soldier. He is good at staying focused on the mission, moving forward, analyzing, doing what needs to be done. And this is just this beautiful human moment where it hits him that, what needs to be done is he's got to blast through all of his brothers. Like that's the only way that he sees forward in that moment. And just that he feels the pain of that. And that Ahsoka has the kindness and the knowledge of Rex to know that he's feeling that pain. And there's been such great visual storytelling throughout this final season. We talked about it a lot during the bad batch arc of when Rex takes his helmet off. And when you see, the humanity underneath the, you know, rigid image of the soldier. And I just love that Ahsoka has that tenderness to take the mask off. You get that little, little bit of release of air uh-huh. uh, sound. And it even has some like Star Wars poetry with uh, Luke taking Vader's mask off. I'm not, I'm not saying it's the same thing, but it's that like, yeah. let me, let me look right into your eyes, Rex, and tell you, that I understand this is painful, you know, but it's, it's not your fault. Yeah. 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 That's powerful for a lot of people out there in the world too. We, we, we love when Star Wars uh, reaches into our real lives. If horrible things are happening, there's might be horrible things you're about to do, things that are going to hurt you. But to sometimes hear it, it isn't your fault, man, uh, that's cathartic and therapeutic and important to hear. Uh, Star Wars reaches those levels, you know? Yeah, yeah, and that idea of, well, he Rex tries to be a good soldier and tries to follow orders and do what's right, but he knows that sometimes it's a lot more complicated than that, and this is such a painful, huge instance of that. Um, 
So we move on to uh, Soka being really firm in her convictions. Uh, the clones are willing to die. Uh, she says uh, specifically, they may be willing to die, but I am not the one who is going to kill them. Uh, in this conversation as well, that segues into uh, Rex basically saying, well, okay, are we just going to surrender? And, and it gets kind of set up as this question that happens in star Wars, sometimes examined, sometimes not examined. It just happens that Mm. it's war. And in order to move forward, you kill. And then you get moments that really investigate that. Like Luke, not knowing how to act in the last Jedi. And he has to figure out another way. Uh, So there's a lot going on here with concepts of Jedi, star Wars poetry. But what I want to ask you first is, did this strike you as, Ahsoka's true Jedi moment? Was this a defining Jedi moment for Ahsoka? I would definitely say it's one of them. I, I think you could do, we could do a Star Wars ranked, and who knows, maybe we will. <laughs> Ahsoka's defining moment. Uh, yeah, it's definitely there, because a lot, especially a lot of what we've learned, or she's learned in the last few episodes and in, in, in the last few seasons and, and after the big decision, you know. Uh, and, and a lot of uh, talk about Ahsoka being the best Jedi that ever Jedi'd, and I don't disagree with any of that. Let's not uh, let's not totally forget Obi Wan at times and, and Qui Gon and all those kind of folks. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll take it as that, especially because Rex is kind of like, oh yeah, okay, I guess we got to kill them or surrender. And up oh, there's another path, and she's going to try to find it. And maybe at the end of it, something else has to happen. But let's let's try to go this way. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really, really resonated with me. I think partially because of the absolute power of the way Ashley Eckstein delivered that line. It's it's well written, and and she just knocked it out of the park to me. Of they may be willing to die, but I am not the one who is going to kill them. And even if you want to go down the road of like, ooh, was it a mistake to let Maul out? And he did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he he unleashed that chaos, and this is the result of Ahsoka could even wrestle with. Well, I might have inadvertently had a hand in causing this, but even that is different than me making the choice to say, there's no other option. I'm going to just go slicing heads off and how adamant she is of when it is clearly positioned in front of me of this is the option to use fatal violence. I'm not going to do it is just really, really powerful. Yeah. It's a pure Jedi for sure there. Yeah. And then, uh, this idea that, that you were saying that there's a surrender, murder, or the third option. And maybe that is uh, one of the things I love most in all of Star Wars storytelling is when characters find the third option. Going back to Obi-Wan and New Hope saying, you know, you, you can't win, but there are are alternatives to fighting. And why I love Luke's solution to act in The Last Jedi so much is that he realizes it's not a question of not acting. He must act, but how can you do it in a way that holds up your values. Mm. Mm. I love that you invoked that Obi-Wan line. It's uh, subtle, but forgotten as a big theme and thesis in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, Soka does come up with a plan. She comes up with her third way and it is a classic Star Wars plan. Uh, Rex pretends to capture Ahsoka. Uh, that is just right behind yeah. actually dressing up as clones, which I thought for a minute, <laughs> yeah. they're not going to have uh, Ahsoka dress up as a clone, are they? Um, but Rex pretends to capture Ahsoka and the droids sneak around to do some droid business. Rex and Jesse debate order 66. 
Uh, Rex argues Ahsoka isn't a Jedi, so she is not a part of the treason. And Rex also says, if the clones don't get this right, they will be the ones committing treason. Do you think that all of this is, Rex is obviously stalling for time, yes. Mm. But how much did you take it that he also means these things? I think he 100% means it, but I don't believe there was too much of a hope that suddenly Jesse will join them. Because, again, he knows them. Uh, they they have this tremendous loyalty to their duty. That's what he was literally talking about moments earlier. God, if they weren't trying to kill me, I'd, I'd applaud them or you know, whatever the exact line is uh, up up top. Um, so it's there. You know, there's maybe there's always hope, but I think he's this is his conviction. He believes this. Uh, you know, he you know, again, poor poor clones. Order sixty six is in their brain, so they might be doing things against their will completely here. Even even at this point. Uh, I, I'm not interested in the science report on what the chip does. I'm really not um, to save the tweets, but I, I love, uh, I, I love that in this moment, this is the truth to Rex, no matter what they do. This is the truth. Yeah. Yeah. In I, in particular, really, really like the, if we don't get this right, we will be the ones committing treason because it helped this episode line up with even more ideas of Revenge of the Sith. Uh, we're talking a lot about Order 66 and the end of the clones, the end of the clone war. But there is also this very, the political side of it, the uh, honestly Padme side of it, where she even says to Anakin in Revenge of the Sith, like, do you ever think that maybe we've become the thing that we set out to destroy? You know, he gets mad and says, you're talking like a separatist. Uh, but that idea, that big picture idea of the prequel political storytelling of the not destruction of the Republic, but the conversion of it. And with Rex's experiences with uh, seeing Anakin and Ahsoka kind of do things their own way, his own experience with Pong Krell and the Bad Batch, it, it just lines him up to to kind of have that, to me, triumphant moment of a good soldier. One of the things a good soldier does is really look at their orders, because if what we are fighting for is the Republic, is are we really doing this for the Republic? Yeah, yeah, and again, and someone said earlier of like that, you know, they they're not getting all the news updates right now, but you don't maybe yeah again maybe go to your heart, go to your soul, and ask yourself that question. Yeah, yeah, and I think Rex uh, has enough knowledge to go. Oh, this is this is something that is being done to us, and we are being manipulated, and and knows that. I think maybe has a tiny sliver of hope he can get through to Jesse, but knows he's right. not going to. Yeah. Um. Along those lines, this happened last week too, but I wanted to take a moment to talk about it this week. So Jesse straight up says Darth Sidious, uh, and that was last episode as well. Uh, Rex referred to him as Lord Sidious. Why Why is Palpatine slash Sidious broadcasting Order 66 as Darth Sidious and not Palpatine? How did that strike you? What are your uh, canon thoughts? Well, I'll say it again, conflicted and complicated. Wow, we, we, that comes up a lot. And I and I love that that comes up a lot. I think this, I, I like it, much like Luke Skywalker saying the name in, in Last Jedi. I remember you uh, you first broached that discussion topic uh, a couple of years ago now. Just like, it's an acknowledgement of the truth, right? Like, it ain't, yeah. it ain't uh, Sheev. No, he was a Sith Lord. And that's what's going on. So for them, whether they know it or not, to acknowledge that truth and 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 Palpatine to acknowledge it again, uh, Maul talks about in the beginning of this arc. Uh, you know that he he's going to reveal himself soon. So to do it on this level, I, I take that also just as as Palpatine becoming the Emperor. But then I do have these canon questions that I'm I'm looking forward to 
more storytelling based of this of, you know, it's pretty, I don't know. It at times seems very clear that not a lot of people really know that that guy Palps is maybe dabbling in some things off the clock that wouldn't, wouldn't fly. And so these clones do go on for a time. We know they get transitioned out, but for any of them to have that knowledge, is that part of the programming? Is that, and, and that's where I am open to some, some more technical storytelling down the line of how does Palpatine clear the books? Does he even need to? Does he care? I don't know. I love the why of Palpatine, but it was a, it was a little uh, canon question mark. Yeah. I really enjoyed it for lots of different reasons because it just opens up uh, a lot of thought. Star Wars has played a lot and I don't think there's always clarity of how much people know about the Sith. Like obviously we, we have uh, historians and people who hunt for artifacts. So people certainly know them. It's, I think they're in the history books, but it also often in Star Wars just feels like a what um, I just rewatched. I wanted to watch something fun this morning uh, while I was eating my breakfast. Uh, and I just randomly watched uh, the Clone Wars episode Revival. It's the one where uh, Maul, with his bigger legs, and Savage Opress go to Florum and it tracked down by uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Adi Galia. And throughout that episode, Obi-Wan keeps, uh, people keep saying, there was a Jedi here. They had uh, red lightsabers. And Obi-Wan keeps going, it was a Sith. And no one says anything back. <laughs> it's like they're like we don't um i know that means a lot to you dude but we don't know what you're talking about is like the vibe i got which entertained me but also in the context of thinking about this mm -hmm. it, it's not common everyday available knowledge you know yeah. about the sith it feels like yeah. so on one hand it feels like this is a sign of the manipulation that um Maybe Sidious wanted elbow room. The way Order 66 worked out, he has uh, been able to sort of transition uh, into uh, revealing himself, as it were. But maybe he was going to be in a place where he didn't want the clones to know Palpatine. He wanted them to see Sidious, uh, just like he did with uh, some of the Separatist leaders. Uh, so maybe there was like a little bit of elbow room there. But then I also just like it from the storytelling place of, I like how the clear manipulation the clear evil of darth sidious creepy guy in a dark robe overlaps with the sort of bullshit political cover well the jedi committed treason yeah and that really comes to the fore when rex is saying you know we have to be careful being to be the ones who aren't committing the treason because you're saying you're kind of saying this political line mm. that the Jedi are wanted for treason against the Republic. And that would like stand up more if Supreme Chancellor Palpatine has said this, right. but they're calling him Sidious. And it's sort of like uh, the mysterious dark wizard yeah. <laughs> says there's treason. Yeah. Who are we listening to and why? And I know, I know it's, they're being manipulated by the chips, but it, it brings all of those ideas uh, up. It, that to me, I think can happen in real life when people sort of merge a, viable political argument with a uh with anger or or hate and they kind of blend together and overlap and it is hard to pull them apart and say which is a viable political idea versus something darker underneath right right george would be interested in that theory <laughs> i think you would you would <laughs>
Yeah. Uh, uh, well, thank you for indulging me on lots of Sidious talk. No, no, it's 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 worth a discussion because you could simply the Obi Wan moment you're talking about. You could boil that down into a dumb, and I'm underlying dumb screen rant article. Star Wars, uh, red cons, uh, you get out of here with that. Or you could really <laughs> dive into and have fun with the the questions it's making you ask and the and the, and the storytelling that you're you've yet to hear. Uh, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe there's part of that. Maybe that's part of the reason. You know, hey, the clones are going to be phased out anyways. Maybe there's Order sixty seven. Delete knowledge you have. I don't know. You know, or does you know why does uh, I I don't recall an episode or moment in Rebels where uh, Rex is like, uh, hey Ezra, you know that. Uh, uh, Palpatine guy's a Sith Lord, you know? <laughs> you know, there's none of that. And there doesn't need to be that. It doesn't change the yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. And then there's still plenty of uh, ambiguity there. Um, all right, moving on. I could talk about Sidious all day, and I probably will later today alone in my apartment. But for now, we get the do- droids uh, dropping the hangar elevator, sending the clones hurtling down, uh, part of uh, Ahsoka's big plan to thin them out. Uh, fight ensues. There's a lot of awesome fighting. And Maul runs for the transport. Uh, Ahsoka chases him. Uh, Maul throws some boxes at her, another classic Star Wars move, and says, you wanted this chaos. Ahsoka slashes for his throat, comes very close. Uh, Maul does a big force push. Ahsoka is left dangling and rescued by uh, the droid GG. Uh, anything in here that you want to talk about before we get to the next slash? Because I'm all about the next slash. The uh, the next slash. Uh, oh, the next slash. Oh, I'm all about the next slash. Sorry, I thought you said like next slash. I'm like, there was two slashes? No, the <laughs> neck slash. Ooh, that was a fun moment because it inspired a lot of things. Uh, and, and to her point, Maul's right. You wanted this chaos, and maybe Ahsoka knew it. But again, as I said before, I love when a character does something that maybe it goes awry or it's a mistake and how you have to deal with that and have to, how you have to sit with that. And I think some things that happen on screen are supposed to be mistakes or supposed to make you think, what if they did the other thing? Uh, I'm looking at you, uh, detractors of Holdo. Uh, there are things that are supposed to be like lessons both ways in all ways and the complicated nature of decisions. So I think that's what that you wanted this chaos line means to me leading to the neck slash. Yeah. Yeah. I really like you wanted this chaos because it invites all of these questions about uh, what was that a mistake? What responsibility does Ahsoka have all these complex things uh, that we've been talking about, but I also, it just, I just felt it from all of he's, sick of being used like we talked about last mm. week how he thinks you know he's like brilliant brilliant good job city it's uh, amazing and yes now we will team up and if you follow my lead and she's just like nah i just you're a distraction uh and it's funny and he you know doesn't even give him the lightsaber it's a strong funny ahsoka moment great subversion of the join me moment but from all's perspective he just got used again and I love that it's almost like this lashing out at Ahsoka is somebody who tried to use him of like, don't blame me. You made this decision. You wanted this. You know, I was just being your puppet. You know, how, how do you like it now? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Uh, I, I almost used the word beautiful to script Earth Maul or Maul. I also like that. It's, it's like, he's saying like, I am who I am, which he doesn't realize how bad that is. Or maybe he does. Maybe that's what's getting him. Maybe, you know, this is also a character that a couple episodes ago a couple episodes ago was like, please just let me die and go to his final moments with Kenobi that, that he is who he is. I'm not going to change. So I like that. He's just kind of like, Oh, spare me. Ah, sp- you know what you did. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, so for that next slash, Ahsoka slashes real close to his neck. It's it's real fast, but when we cut back to him, he's holding his neck, and like I I rewound and paused to make sure like there wasn't a nick or anything. It's not. He there's a brief second of Maul putting his hand to his throat, like you you almost did it. You almost just straight up killed me. <laughs> Shot me. And yeah. I almost wish that that had lingered a little bit longer because I absolutely love it. Cause I think it plays into, you can imagine, is it Maul feeling mortal for a second of like, mm. she almost got me and she intended to, or is it almost even a little bit more hurt of, mm. you know, mm. not that he thinks that she's going to be, I don't know. I've been on this train of, uh, I, I don't, I think he's lying to himself that he feels nothing. He, he, I think he clearly wants someone else around him. Right. Uh, Cause he's had that in a lot of points in his uh, life of evil. He, he is what he says on the tin. He's evil and he's chaos, but he doesn't seem to want to be alone. He wanted Ahsoka to join him for manipulative reasons, but there keeps being all these little moments that make me feel it as uh, mm. it would have been nice to just have somebody by my side. Then she used me as a puppet then she almost cut my head off. <laughs> and I'm a little hurt. I'd like that. I like that you focused on Maul in that moment there. Because, uh, um, yeah, he is who he is, and he knows it. But uh, look in this, his final moments, the sweet, uh, bittersweet, I uh, should say, relief that comes from dying in Kenobi's arms is so powerful, and it's sad for a reason, because maybe at any point in time, if he had uh, given in to some of those feelings... Uh, he might have gone a different path. Similar to Anakin, similar to all of us, similar to everyone. This again, this is about these choices. So, yeah, I I, I took it as a, that I'll take it as all all of those moments, but I definitely took it as the what? Yeah, you almost did it. You almost did it. Yeah. Um, if nothing else, it's just a moment to be enjoyed because you don't see that very often as people duck and you know barely yeah. escape getting their uh, heads cut off multiple times in lightsaber battles and are kind of chill about it of like it's another battle. Yeah. It's great to just see one moment of like, damn, I almost died. Did you see that? Yeah. I almost died. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I so I don't want to assume. I want to ask your uh, opinion. Yeah. Do you feel like Ahsoka was trying to just end him? And if so, how do you think that tracks with the morality of life and death choices in this arc? I, I think whether intentional or, or, or not, as a, as a direct nod to some of the revelations in The Last Jedi, I think he, the, the emotional canon is there. That once you give into the dark side, forever will it dominate your destiny, but you must constantly choose. You don't level up. You don't go solve that problem. I now have that power, the ability to always do right. I think it flashes. I think it flashes before her, like Luke holding his lightsaber over Ben Solo. It flashes. It was a fleeting shadow, and you know that was wrong. I think she, in that second, is like, kill him. I can't. I can't. That's not who I am. That would be in cold blood, whatever, you know. And, and, the, you know, and then it, tie, it, it ties to, I, I, I also thought of Mace uh, sitting before Palpatine. I don't think he's wrong. I think he should have slashed, slashed Palpatine right across that ugly mug. I don't think he's wrong at all, but he 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 knows he shouldn't because if 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 any of you out there listening have not read the five issue Mace Windu comic that was released a couple of years ago, it directly ties to this moment based on something in his youth as a Padawan. That pause, I should kill him, comes from something that happened in his past, and I see a lot of that here in this moment with Ahsoka Tano, and I love it. Yeah. I love she's learned a lot. She's pretty good. She just had one of the, like you just called it, possibly one of the best ultimate Jedi moments, right? Minutes later, you still have to choose. 
It's always about selfless versus selfish, light, dark. It's always going to be there. Yeah. That's great stuff. I, I love the rhythms with Revenge of the Sith. Not only that great uh, Mace moment uh, where he ends up, you know, saying the same thing uh, as Palpatine, but but he means it, you know, honestly, whereas Palpatine means it as a manipulation, I think. Mm-hmm. But yep. also there's so much in Revenge of the Sith that is the great question is about Obi-Wan is just being sent to kill Anakin because this seems to be like one of the Jedi just we are... Uh, our main purpose is defense. We hold the darkness back. If the Sith are allowed to continue, uh, they don't just go to their planet and be mildly evil to the people on that planet. They The darkness spreads. And our point is to hold them back. That is the core of being a Jedi. So as brutal as it is, as awful as it might make us feel, our job is to kill Sith. Um, and we have to do it from a perspective of we are doing it out of defense, not out of anger or personal vengeance. But, yep, we have to go kill them. And Obi-Wan wrestles with that. Uh, Padme wrestles with that. Uh, Anakin screams, you know, you brought him here to kill me. It's very much on the table in Revenge of the Sith of whether or not Obi-Wan can do that, whether or not it's okay for Obi-Wan to go to Mustafar to kill his brother, uh, Anakin. And I like that in that quick just slash of the neck, it's on the table for Ahsoka too of like, I let him out. If he gets away he is going to cause more pain and harm. I tried to capture him, but it, uh, I won't, I won't kill one of these clones because it's not their fault, but I'll kill him. Yeah. Is yeah. just fascinating. Uh, and then you get to how much is it about in that moment for her? How much is it stopping the threat and how much is it that transports the last way out of here? Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah, that in which which uh, we'll we'll get into in uh, in just a moment. So we'll uh, move on. So Maul takes uh takes the shuttle, and uh, Ahsoka uses the force to hold it there, and this leaves Rex exposed. Uh, R seven is hit. Rex gets hit oh. in his shoulder, and Ahsoka lets the ship go, uh, and Maul is off into hyperspace. That is a series wrap on Maul in the Clone Wars. <laughs> Everyone, uh, Maul, his last day on set. Okay, Maul, bow, Maul, bow. <laughs> Are you excited for this chapter of Maul's? story to continue or do you need a mall break because uh, right now we've got you know about uh, 10 years until uh, we see him in solo in full control of crimson dawn you know, first of all my friend you have you have undersold and i i love it because you're protecting my emotions you're underselling r7 is hit he has his dome just exploded <laughs> it made me sad. Um, it's it's nasty. It's brutal. <laughs> it's brutal. Um, as far as more mall storytelling, I, I yeah, we'll be excited down the line to maybe get some dots connected. Um, but to me, just as just to me, mall stories need someone else involved. Not that he can't be the main character, but he's kind of one sided. Unless we were to get the mall one man stage play where he questions all his motives and admits uh joseph scrimshaw was right i'm 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 lonely at times um <laughs> look and i'm not saying i don't want that uh i'm just saying yeah uh between now and solo i'm definitely interested we've saw the the connection with dryden voss uh, you know all of, yeah i'm there for it but it needs to be something uh, a part of something bigger yeah, yeah, this is such a juicy mall stuff. A part of me is like, yeah, give me that book series, animated series, comic book series. Uh, but I agree with you. I want to figure out what's the story. What? How can we learn something 
new and different about Maul in this period of his life, and then I would be excited for it. Uh, I want to talk uh, about this moment. We talked about it when we were discussing themes, but what what all do you feel is going on for Ahsoka when she is trying to hold that shuttle back? Is it about keeping Maul there because he's a threat? Is it about that is the lifeline for herself and for Rex? Um, why does she let it go? Uh, to to add to what we were talking about earlier, I, I, I think there's on the surface, that's, that's the, the last helicopter out, right? Like, you got to get on it. Uh, so I think the letting go means might have, maybe you have to accept your fate, or maybe you have to look for another way. And sometimes, hey, that's how the force works, right? That's definitely how life works. So I think it's there. I think this, the thing with Maul, and, and she just had the moment, and maybe she's regretting it. And again, I, her not slashing his neck might have been a mistake, you know? Uh, some other people down the line might tell you that. Um, some people in the past might tell you that, too. If Bo-Katan was there, she'd be like, what the hell are you doing? Um, but I think there's something powerful about this. Is It's almost the will of force. I'm holding on to I'm attached to this idea of of getting Maul, killing Maul, or just even attached to the idea of that's my only way to survive, and perhaps the forces lead me in another direction in a very Star Wars way. She has to let it go, and uh, we can take that lesson as we want into our lives too. But I, 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 that's where I go with it. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'll have to. We were watching the episode again. I definitely took it as she was taking a shot at his neck. That that yeah. she was trying to take him down. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. Oh but, yeah. Yeah. But then once this ship moment is is happening, I feel like there is definitely that element. There, there's a lot going on, which is so great. There's that element of uh, I need to finish my mission and correct my mistake of letting him loose if it was a mistake um, and hold him here. But so much of this whole section is just about Ahsoka and Rex trying to escape, trying to live. And I, I felt in the letting go because it was so visual with literally her hands relaxing that it, it really is about R7 being hit and about Rex being hit in the shoulder of her letting go because choosing life and defense in that moment is yeah. the most important thing of Rex is going to die. Maybe we won't make it off this, but I can't keep focused on this mission when the next thing that's going to happen is Rex is going to fall. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah life and defense is, is uh, that's a good, uh, it's a good way to look at it. Absolutely. It's a good book to read too. Uh, so Ahsoka let's go Maul goes off Uh, Ahsoka does a cool lightsaber spin uh, to cut the ground uh, where she spins the lightsabers with the force uh, and then she and Rex (laughs) fall to the lower level Uh, the droids send the elevators back up throwing more clones around Uh, and then the clones brutally assassinate Gigi and Cheap did the droid death affect you this is perhaps one of the worst deaths in Star Wars since Nanta All right. (laughs) Come on. And it's even the, 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 we got the astromech squeal. Like, oh, man. When R7 went, uh, I mean, again, like I'm joking with you, but like that was a blaster bolt to the dome, and that wasn't good. Yeah. Oh, man. It, 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 you know, I'm trying, I like the clones, man. I'm trying to be sympathetic. No, it was, it was a uh, Turner and Hooch kill the dog moment for me. Like, Ah, they couldn't get all right. I guess all right, but it makes their sacrifice. It makes the 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 choice over programming we talked about earlier. Uh, in terms of just a story, this isn't a, a real world uh, uh, thing here. These this is droids in a story. It it made it more powerful. It made their decision and their choice more powerful. 
Yeah, I think it was a good stand-in for not cutting. I shouldn't say stand-in. The droid story was great. It was great that they uh, were brave and loyal. Ahsoka asked them if they were still willing to help. They said yes. They made their choice. It is super effective because they had these little humanizing moments earlier, like a little earlier in this action scene, one of the droids kind of does a weird, funny laugh at something. Uh, one of the clones. Uh, so they've got a lot of personality. So it's just super effective brutality of we're raising the stakes and Ahsoka and Rex aren't going to die. So ugh, this is awful. Uh, but then where I was going with that stand in comment is, you know, it, it works for not cutting to other moments of order 66 across the galaxy. Cause you get the horror and the brutality of mm. the clones just firing and firing and firing on someone. And it, and it evokes, uh, all of the Order 66 scenes we've seen in other mm. places. Yeah, R.I.P. Ayla Sakura, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then, uh, Ken, you you uh, <laughs> have a moment uh, where your fandom shines. Uh, I like them too, but you, you're always on the list of your favorite ships. It's a Y-Wing to the rescue. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get more fighting. Ahsoka even takes some hits, uh, and she force throws Rex to a Y-Wing. And just when she's going to jump on board, the Y-Wing starts falling into the atmosphere. Uh, Soka dives after it, uh, runs, jumps, twists, barely, barely, barely makes it to the Y-Wing. A lot of great uh, action moments, just a great action scene. But for you, what was the uh, emotion behind the great uh, fall of the Y-Wing? Uh, first of all, thank you for paying uh, respects to the Y-Wing. I think of the Clem Snide song, uh, Moment in the Sun, when it's my moment in the sun, oh, how happy I will be. Y-Wings, man, the old reliable ship of the galaxy. I loved it. Uh, the emotions of it, again, we, we, we know we know what's going to happen, right? So it's how you get there, and that's a study. And I think that's uh, sometimes even more interesting than, than, than other uh, forms of storytelling. I love, I love the, the why. Uh, so I, I really did like uh, the sequence. It was beautifully shot, beautifully directed, a, gr- a, gr- a, a joke. But it's another video game sequence. Like how many how many Star Wars video games are you uh, free falling and you have to land on some space lizard bird or a star destroyer? Um, so uh, I definitely uh, definitely like that and just a I don't know just a beautiful little action packed poem of their relationship of him not giving up and she's not going to give up herself to reunite and, and both get on out of here. Yeah, you know, I I'm not, I know she's. We've seen her free fall and successfully uh, with a lot of action, right? At the beginning of this arc, I'm not, I'm not going to assume she could have done that. I think she needed to be rescued, but um, that's what I took out of it. They're, they're a team, and they're not going to give up on each other. Yeah, I think I just really successfully felt that. I think that shot of the Y wing falling away, and in comparison to the size, mm. uh, in the condition of the Venator just flipping like just a piece of paper in the wind. It was really effective to me. Like, Oh, that's their tiny little hope for survival. And just the, the commitment to one another that Rex is not just like, uh, she'll land that he's so desperately trying to find her and, and, and get her on the ship that this whole thing is about the two of them just surviving really evokes that. Yep. The darkness is coming. It's the inevitable part of, of this part of the star Wars story, but, Mm-hmm. They are these symbols of little bits of light trying to survive and their commitment to each other. Just, I really felt it uh, more than some action scenes in the Clone Wars. This one really hit me. Right. Right. So uh, then the Venator 
has crashed uh, and we get a long, beautiful shot of it uh, in the teeny little Y-Wing. In contrast, we get uh, the revelation with Rex walking away with his shovel and Ahsoka there uh, in her cloak that they have buried the dead clones and mark their graves with helmets. Now I interpret it as, as buried because there's a shovel in the mounds. Did you take it that way as well? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, buried, uh, as best they can. I mean, again, time has no meaning for me in this scene. Who knows how long they were there? Uh, the, 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 I mean, I'm not, I'm not even joking. It really, it really moved me. Just R R seven kind of built back up underneath the wing of the Y wing. Um, Upset, just it upset me in the best of ways. Just if like it got me. So yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think it, it was a, it was a it was a burial, not unlike Tobias Beckett in Solo. Yes, yes. So uh, obviously R seven hit you there, but yep. the, for the burial of the clones and the fact that Rex and Ahsoka took the time to do this, what was the power of that image to you, and and what did that image make you feel? Uh, a lot of things. This is what I, this is when really uh, the music just just from that point the music kicks in the visuals uh, the way it was designed. I'd love to. There's a lot of artwork in this sequence that you could clip out and hang on a wall. I love all that kind of stuff. But to me, especially the shots with Ahsoka, it's, it's so, she's soaking up the the lessons and, and and memories and maybe trying to choose the best way forward. We talk about letting go here in this in this episode a lot. So letting go means there's something next. And I don't think she quite knows the new world they're in. I mean, that just in terms of a literal sense. Again, you know, who knows at this point, are they getting hollow net reports of safe and secure society speeches or what's going on? Uh, so the exact path isn't clear to me. Uh, she's not saying, uh, you know, well, I guess I'm going to be a spy now. That That's all unclear. But this is um, emotionally, this is her going into hiding. No one purpose will be found. And she has to, for these men... Uh, you know, she has to she has to find that purpose for these men uh, who she fought alongside, if that makes sense. Uh, and then what uh, what were they fighting for? Uh, what did she become during this because of them and with them while they were fighting? So honoring, and not saying they're honoring just the Republic, but just we t- we why why did those clones stay on that ship? That sense of loyalty, like what was that about them as individuals? And, and is, she, is that going to drive her on? All that to me is running running around in my head as she's just staring at them. It's not just graduation yeah. day. It's 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 pain, suffering. But what can I take from this, and what can I do for them going forward? Yeah, yeah. I think that's all great. Um, I think I was really uh, affected by the start of this scene being that long tracking shot of mm-hmm. the Venator um, and the combination of the Venator and the gray sight of all these clones really being the symbol of this era is over. You know, the, the mask has come off The Republic has, is about to become the empire, but this is truly symbolically it. And then the Clone Wars animated series is we've talked about being a series that wants to make sure that we take time to respect the clones and don't just look at them as pawns in cannon fodder, but the horror of that, the horror of what the dark side did, the horror of what Sidious and uh, Darth Tyrannus uh, did together to create these beings just to propagate war. And we got to spend time with all of these characters and find out about their individuality. And, and that great line from Ahsoka last week about, you know, Rex is her good friend and some good things came out of this war. That is the only reason they exist. And it was 
mournful and sad, but it also felt like the heart of our characters, Ahsoka and Rex saying these clones were individuals. They do matter. They are not just cannon fodder. They are not identical corpses on a crashed ship. They are individuals. And this is a way that we can honor them while also trying to process everything that's happened to us as you were so eloquently saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, then we get this moment where uh, Ahsoka, uh, while looking at the graves, drops her lightsaber. You and I both remarked that we uh, <laughs> uh, were yelling in our minds, or maybe out loud, don't do it, don't do it, don't let go of the lightsaber. But what do you think was going through Ahsoka's mind in that moment where she uh, dropped the lightsaber, and, uh, and how did it make you feel? Well, you mentioned there's a... Uh perhaps a faking your own death type of uh, scenario at play. I, I, I'm behind that. Uh, I think that's something she probably knew she needed to do, but that's not going to be easy. Even if you're, even if you're like, Ooh, here's a smart idea, but without a doubt, this is just this symbolic uh, letting go again of, of what was of who she is with that weapon. Again, the path isn't clear. She is not right now saying, you know what? I'm going to be fulcrum. I'm going to help. There's probably going to be a rebellion. None of that's clear right now. So she has to go on to a new life. We we are blessed to read some of that uh, new life in the Ahsoka novel. Uh, it's worth a reread. We saw the Trace and Rafa stuff. She she knows she can exist in that world. So, but but that's none of that's easy. None of that's easy. And that that blade is a symbol of that. It's also at this point a symbol of Anakin. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe more than anything, and that and that decision to have to change the blades uh, in, in canon, by the way, or to you know t- to 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 make that switch uh, and have it be from Anakin. You and I talked a lot about that, what it meant, what it meant about Anakin's love, compassion, but also attachment issues, uh, asserting his will, and not kind of uh, you know there's some issues there too. But it's overall a good symbol. So to have it all in that blade. And I know she's got two, but to have in this blade to have that shot, uh, it worked for me. And I was like, no, 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 no. Just uh, uh, drop like a pendant or something that he gave you or <laughs> just take your blade. Take your weapon. You can hide it. Do that. Yeah. Oh, anyways. Yeah. It's really an amazing, beautiful moment because it is so many different ideas coming together and you know sometimes we talk about ideas of like oh you could interpret it this way you could interpret it that way for me it really tracks that it's all of these things we have been through this arc where she we've talked about how she kind of learned to still have power without a lightsaber without the symbol of a lightsaber that you know a lightsaber as the symbol of a Jedi. She manages to help Trace and Rafa a bunch without pulling out the lightsabers. Uh, At the end of their duel, Maul thinks, of course she's defeated because they knocked both of her lightsabers out of her hand. And, you know, she pivots and she's not defenseless without the lightsaber. So there's all that symbolism of just a lightsaber is not who I am, but it is a symbol of a Jedi. And uh, she's redefined that for herself, but there's, there's no order to go back to. As you said, it is absolutely a symbol of Anakin once he had remade those blades a little bit in his image and she used them to defend his honor uh, when Maul said he was the possibly going to be the destroyer of everything. So there's all that. And then even if you go to just the surface level of it's a good way to fake my death, even that is 
I am going to let go of this thing that means a lot to me because that's what I have to do to choose life in order to move forward. I have to let go of a part of the past. Yep. Yep. Powerful. Powerful. Yeah. 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 So uh, painful, but powerful. Um, were you, and then of course she fades away. We're going to get into some other stuff there. Uh, not, not in a force way, in a <laughs> film transition way, she fades away. Were you happy with this as the last moments of Rex and Ahsoka? Did you want uh, more conversation or details or were you happy that this was really uh, uh, minimal? So happy, so happy. And maybe that's not what I would have quote unquote predicted or said that I wanted. And we talked about some of the potential scenes that we could have seen a lot of them with other characters. I, I, in the end, I'm all about this. The music was on point. I mean, kiner has been great the whole time, but man, what a big, big, big win for him here in these last few episodes. But in this moment, uh, I love stark poetic moments. I like those a lot. I like when, when the answers aren't always clear, particularly at the end of things. Um, as I said, I, I teared up at, at R7, uh, but I, I'll, I'll tell you what also kind of got me on, on the third. I had uh, fortunate enough to watch it three times now. Um, uh, I teared up at Rex having his pack, uh, mm-hmm. getting ready to go on. And especially where we know where we, when we meet up with him again and, and how important he becomes to that story later on, but just him knowing what's next, him knowing that he doesn't know he's, he's got a scar in his head, a pack on his back and, and, and he's going alone into a future to see what, what's next for him. And in my head, they definitely spoke. It definitely had a final moment, but I don't think we deserve to hear it. That's for them. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, it's a really interesting way to look at it. Um, of whether we needed to hear their private moment, uh, <laughs> of, or if kind of, we had heard everything that they truly need to say, uh, to one another and everything else would just be, um, uh, you know, guilt edged. It would just be gilding the lily. Um, I think there's a part, part of me that was really struck by this made it feel to me like some older eras of star Wars storytelling and also just some older eras of genre and pop culture storytelling. I think we're really lucky to live in an era of lots of answers. Like, you know, we yeah. see a Star Wars movie and we want to know the name of every background character and the, the book will be there, you know, uh, the, the second we get out of the theater. And I love that. And that's great. It's a great part of fandom. Um, but we also living in, a, in an era of what's next. Um, some people said that they weren't intrigued by Solo because they didn't see how it was like narratively important to the, to the story. And, uh, I love MCU. It's one style of storytelling, but to have one story end and then have everybody be really excited about the, uh, post credit scene to tease what's next, what's next. And there's a part of me of like, I think I almost expected the let's set Rex off on his adventure. How does he find the other clones who survived? What does he do? And you know, what makes Ahsoka choose exactly where she's headed next? Uh, and I just really liked the mood of this is classic tip of the iceberg storytelling. There's plenty of ambiguities for us to talk about uh, on podcasts and <laughs> playgrounds, uh, as we always talk about when we were kids. And we had these kind of discussions on the play- playgrounds where you had room to go. Ooh, what do you think Rex and Ahsoka talked about? Mm. Uh, and it's not all just given to us. And I think more than anything, it's the the lack of what's next because yeah. this is the end of this story and this lets us just sit with this story and it's not about, hey, you finished that meal, let's tee up the next one. Yep. 
Yeah. Well, oh, well said. And, and look, and let's not downplay it. When you say you like MCU, MCU, you you could easily run uh, MCU Center. Uh, you know, I know you. Lo- <laughs> I know you love those things. You love those things a lot. I I like them, and I have never not enjoyed a, an MCU film. But I have that too. It's just like, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, I'll stick around for the end credit scene. This is a commercial for what's next. That's somewhat cynical. I'm not. I don't mean that entirely like that. I I, I enjoy those films, but. Like you said, that is a different kind of storytelling. I love that this one chose to live in this, in in this 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 arena uh, uh, that that we don't know and you don't need to know. That's why I, I that's why I said we don't deserve to know. We don't need to know. It's not our story. Uh, I don't want to know what Bill Murray whispered into Scarlett Johansson's ears at the end of Lost in Translation. I don't. I don't want to know what Jon Snow does the moment after he he fades into the forest. I don't. I like it being open. That makes it a little bit more of an art piece for me, and that's not a slight on any other form of storytelling, to be clear. Um, I love that they chose that in this moment because you're so right. We are the what's next. Is this uh, broom, blo- broom boy to, to, to Miri Black, I think was misinterpreted so much, so much as a, pl- a plot point for what's next. It was Ryan Johnson saying, this was myself as a kid, and this is all of you, inspired by these stories. And yes, it's a character that exists in canon and he's got the force because he picked up, but he wasn't meant to fight Palpatine and Elijah Skywalker. <laughs> that wasn't the point of it. The point was, yeah. this is here, this is the inspiration, and it's open for you to interpret it. And and that's what I took from, from this moment and the moment that's forthcoming. Yeah, yeah. And not to, I don't want to get into a huge uh, MCU center on Force Center, but uh, I do uh, think do it. They, there's a... <laughs> It's a little bit of a connection. The MCU movies, I think what has made them totally unique is they are adapting comic books and comic books are all about yeah. the next adventure. Um, and Star Wars has a little bit of that too with a sense of cliffhanger, but also Star Wars, I think it makes specific choices about when it's going to have a uh, resolution uh, in, in its defense that, you know, there wasn't a teaser uh, on the end of Endgame because that was the end of that right. chapter. And I really, really liked that this was so definitively the end of this chapter but it leaves us so much to imagine and now i'm going to imagine that uh bill murray is whispering a star wars question to scarlett johansson <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> absolutely just leaning over and saying what did what did vader and han and uh, leia talk about at that awkward dinner on bestman yeah. what do you think scarlett yeah then uh, jesus and mary chain song starts playing it's great <laughs> Uh, all right. So we've already been talking, uh, for a while, mm. but now we're going to get into, uh, into some of the really powerful stuff. Not like this uh, hasn't been powerful, but yeah. Enter Vader, enter, uh, the empire. Some ambiguous amount of time has passed. Uh, we can go clue hunting if we want to be those, uh, have those kind of fan moments. But, uh, we see that snow is now on the moon's ground. The Imperial Lambda class shuttle, we see snow troopers, probe droids, Imperial era troopers, and Vader walks toward the, the Venator wreckage. How did you feel? What hit you when you saw the Empire and Vader in the Clone Wars? Oh, man. Wow. Here we go. Yeah, this was great. This was great. And and you you started started exactly where my mind is right now. Time has passed, an ambiguous amount of time. I don't know. I don't care. One day maybe it will be revealed and I'll go, oh, that's a cool tweet from Matt Martin. I don't care. 
Uh, I know some of the timeline. I know Lords of the Sith. I know the Vader comic. I know when the clones faded out and then the troops came in. It doesn't matter. This was a reminder to me of what was always looming in this story and how the journey is more important than the destination because the lessons you take, the connections you make come long before the end. So this whole thing just from emotionally from the Clone Wars thing uh, tagged on the last scene we just talked about was just this was inevitable. This was we keep talking about crashing to the moon. We can't stop it. We all knew this was where this was going, so I loved, I soaked every image up of, of, of Vader, of the snowtroopers, of the stormtroopers, of the shuttle fading in. It was like I got excited I got, I, I, in, in a dark way, right, in this dark, looming cloud. So I loved all that. Um, it was also, to me, quickly here, I'll, I'll finish up the monologue in this area. It was an in-story, mm-hmm. uh, in-story reminder of the complete takeover and wiping away of so much beauty, so much individuality and the loss uh, of, of, uh, of the struggles of those that didn't want this, right? Uh, including some of the separatists. I'm not saying Newt Gunray when we wanted people. I'm just saying Nina Bonteri and everyone. They, No one outside of, you know, again, they were manipulated by uh, Tyrannus and Sidious and other forces and Separatists had some some bad eggs, uh, absolutely. I don't, I don't want anyone to get me wrong. Uh, I, I just think the mean about Terry's of the world weren't fighting for this lifeless, colorless world. And by the way, I love snow, by the way. Um, <laughs> to me, that's what that was, in story. It was, a, it was a complete just whitewashing over everything that was so beautiful before this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very, very well said of you know, the, the beauty of those, the... The burial to me, um, sad sadness, but the the meaning of it, and it's kind of all just it's uh, fading into the past already. And the power of having one of those great, chilling Star Wars kind of nostalgia moments, but its meaning was like the total opposite of Chewie We're Home. It was <laughs> <laughs> it was Vader. The horror is here. You know, it was the inevitability it was we were talking about the what's next and will it be will this uh, will the show end on a moment of yeah this was really sad the clone wars are over but remember rex and ahsoka lived and there's still hope i liked how much it was a we are going to remind you that our show clone wars the clone wars are over their ships are done the actual clones are done. Look at there, the stormtroopers, they are replaced. It is all wiped away. This era is destroyed. It's over. So there's that powerful kind of using nostalgia or even just recognition of Star Wars in a powerful gut punch way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. I had a really uh, just uh, serendipitous, odd uh, thing happened in real life that made this even more powerful. Um, I was, uh, I was, uh, feeling like a little bit of a, a scratchy throat and just kind of feeling a little off. I, I don't have the coronavirus virus. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Um, but my wife, Sarah, very kindly was like, I know you're staying up late to watch the clone wars. I'm going to watch it with you later. But, uh, before I go to bed, do you want me to make you some tea? And I was like, that's very kind. Thank you. And I have my special tea mug and my tea mug is an old poster of Empire Strikes Back. And Sarah set it down for me, and she was like, I'm sorry we don't have a Clone Wars mug. I know this is a different era of Star Wars you're going to watch. <laughs> and I kind of laughed. and was like, yeah, you know what? Uh, but this is what's coming. It's all connected. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't believe after that conversation of like, all of this imagery 
of Empire Strikes Back specifically. Yes, there's other stuff, but the snow, the troopers, the probe droid is so Empire right. that it was just, it, it was a great reminder of one of the reasons that I love Star Wars because it is all connected. Like we can talk about, oh, this book ended up disagreeing with this movie or whatever, but spiritually it's this giant tapestry of storytelling and it all connects. It does indeed. It does indeed. Yeah. This is just yeah. a very, very, very powerful uh, and fun moment for me uh, in a in a dark and horrible way. So we're going to move on then to the actual final moments of the Clone Wars. Uh, Vader finds Ahsoka's blade and ignites it. We see Vader there with that blue uh, blade. Uh, he looks up and sees and hears a convoy circling above. And then he takes the lightsaber and leaves. And we see his ominous form reflected in the helmet of a 501st with a Soka painting clone trooper helmet. And that is it. So uh, there's a lot <laughs> right yeah. in there to discuss. So where do you want to start? What what affected you the most in all of that? Um, I'll, I'll start with the timeline thing. I, I, I'll say it again. I, I really honestly never really want that answer. I really don't. Of, of what time, what planet, where is this? Um, I mentioned Lords of the Sith. There, there's little things along the way. The Vader, the Vader comic, the the the, the Charles Soule one. You know, that begins right after the moments of Revenge of the Sith. We know some of the stuff he's done uh, that leads into to Rebels, and and there is a mention of Ahsoka and Snips in Lords of the Sith. The first time we got to read and see and feel that connection that we knew was there, um, a bridge between different generations of of watching Star Wars and different characters outside of the story. Right. Um, so. So that's why my answer kind of doesn't have a, it's a spiritual answer about Vader and not a, what did he know? Uh, Cause you even mentioned like, I did see a Filoni interview. He's pretty much says, yeah, those are stormtroopers, not clones. He's saying it's supposed to mean the identity of the clones has gone wiped away by these kind of boring drab stormtroopers, you know? Um, uh, but Hey, if you think some of them are still clones and you connect with that, I don't, I don't think anyone, including Dave Filoni will take that away from you. Um, yeah. To be clear, um, so uh, so I don't know. I'll just I'll just ramble here, and you go here, uh, go where you want to go here, uh, uh, Joseph. I I choose to believe that there was some relief from Vader in this moment because mm. someone so connected to the good in him was gone. Uh, but that there's a sneaking suspicion, especially with the convoy, whether at this point he knows exactly what that means or not. There's a suspicion the chapter's not closed. Does he believe that she's dead? I think he wants to because to me. Her alive and her out there brings fear, regret, and anger because there's that war between Anakin and Vader, and it, it rages for 20-plus years. And I think both of those characters, both of those entities, because I view them very separate, very much separate at times, um, I think they're having dueling thoughts here. And, and, and to me, it cannot just be sadness and regret from Anakin deep down inside. He's fresh. He is Vader. Vader has won this round, and I think Vader's like, good, she's dead because Anakin's like, because if she's around, I might go good. You know, like I, I, it's a, to me, it's that it's that um, it's, it's a it's a stormy sea going on in this moment. It's not all like, well, we had good times. It's like, uh, I hope she's dead. I need her to be dead. Yeah, well, that's a that's a really powerful way to look at it. Um, yeah, I I loved seeing all those probe droids, not just because oh probe droids, but for me like that just that visual storytelling of feeling like. 
Now that's a regular thing for probes to be doing of hunting for evidence, right? Yeah. Of perhaps possible Jedi survivors. And did, did Vader come along on this one because there were reports that this was maybe in the area where that ship that she was allegedly on went down, you know? Right. right. And is he really making the choice to make this pilgrimage himself? Uh, igniting that blue blade and, you know, obviously in Return of the Jedi, we saw Vader ignite Luke's green blade. We saw Anakin as becoming Vader using his own blue blade in Revenge of the Sith. But seeing the full, complete armored Vader, as you're saying, uh, in full Vader mode, ignite a blue blade, and then the power of what, just that image by itself, but then that blade of not only is it Ahsoka, but it is his relationship and his attachment to Ahsoka that he uh, did his Anakin magic. He, he fixed those blades. He made them better. He tried to kind of control them and that they're a symbol of his relationship with Ahsoka is, as well as evidence about whether she is alive or dead. All of that just made me feel like, yeah, like you're saying absolute storm going on inside. Right. I feel, uh, did you say relief? I think relief might be the right word. Oh that. yeah. Oh, sorry. I, yeah. I also just took a screenshot of Vader holding, <laughs> holding the uh, thing. Cause it's, it's a beautiful piece as you're talking. As you, sorry. Yeah, you took a screenshot for your Vader. Collection. Yeah. Well, as you were talking, I was playing the scene silently and, uh, also that popped up and you, you, uh, it was, it was a weird kismet. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm paying no. attention. Um, yeah, That's evidence of our fandom. Yeah, no, um, absolutely relief, relief because I go to the rebels moment, and 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 Dave, Dave and team are playing with a lot of what we know, what's coming, right? Um, and I always talk about that, uh, you know, until I'm blue in the face of that rebels moment, uh, end of season two. She slices his helmet open a little bit. You see his eye. You hear his voice. It's not the super processed uh, James Earl Jones or James Earl Jones like voice. It it is Matt Lanter going. Ahsoka, and, and 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 it's one of the times I feel he could have turned back because he is always at war. He's always at war with Palpatine and is at war with himself. He is trapped. That's that's the image of Revenge of the Sith. That mask coming down and those eyes on on the burnt Anakin face of uh uh, uh and then you flip to the inside view. He is trapped in this iron lung. He, he he it's his prison. You and I talked about uh the the no moment is is now more powerful to me and others than it ever was because you did all that and you're still in pain because the one thing you wanted is dead. And, and and so that all tracks for me. So all that leads to me to relief. To relief that um number one, maybe there's some relief from Anakin, like, oh, good for her. She went to the other side. But I think mostly it is Vader going, Oh, I get to I get to I get to be Vader still. <laughs> yeah. I think I went with, I love what you're saying. I, it, it's really uh, powerful and I think uh, insightful. Mm. I think I hadn't thought of relief until you said the word relief, but that makes perfect sense to me because I think it is relief in, a, in at least two different directions. For me, that blade is like, oh, that's, that's uh, painful. That's going to bring some things right. up, but it's evidence either way. It's like, great. Mm plausible deniability that she's dead 
But then that Convor, uh, whether you track down, you know, has Vader at this point seen uh, various uh, symbols of the daughter with the Convor and knows that that is an an icon of the daughter and goes, oh, but when we were in Mortis, uh, some of the daughter's life force went to Ahsoka. So does that mean that uh, you could go down that path? For me, it's as simple as he is attuned to Ahsoka. We know that that bird is attuned Mm. to Ahsoka. So I have to feel like that that bird is there to be a flicker of, is she alive? Could mm-hmm. be. Right. And the fact that he just takes the blade and turns, to me it feels like relief because he can just not deal with it. He just yep. doesn't have to deal with it. He doesn't find her alive and have to take her out. Mm-hmm. But it's plausible deniability of, she seem, seems like she's dead, you know. But that like, to me that bird means... She could be alive, but I ran it down as much as I need to. And and I can right. just walk away and put it in a box and not think about it, which goes, I think, to your point that mm-hmm. relief that either she's dead or if she's alive, the trail is cold, but I have plausible deniability. And the most important thing for Vader in that moment is he can just shut it out and walk away. Yeah. Yeah, I think, we, I think we're both maybe describing two parts of... Uh the front and back end of the same issue, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I, think, I feel yeah. like, I feel like Vader would love to find Kenobi because Kenobi is, he is comfortable putting his rage on Kenobi. Yes. He's comfortable blaming Kenobi. I think he has, he, he you know, we, we've seen a lot of in the books, great uh, logic for him saying, uh, calling Anakin the Jedi and thinking he was a fool. And I'm sure he can think like, uh, Soka was a fool as well. She was allowed herself to be manipulated and her worldview is wrong and, and dumb. And if I come across her, she's got to, she's got to go. But I think it's much harder, almost like with, um, with Ben Solo and Leia. Mm-hmm. Ben can find reasons to lash out at Han. He can find reasons to lash out at Luke. It's much harder to lash out at Leia. And mm-hmm. I think for Vader, it's harder to lash out at Ahsoka. 100% agree there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about that moment uh, more. I think that's going to become one of the big canon visuals of Star Wars. But what did you feel about the actual final image of the last image of the Clone Wars animated series? The story of the Clone Wars is the reflection of Vader walking away in a clone trooper's helmet uh, that is marked in tribute to Ahsoka. I mean, beautiful, beautiful. You can just take it on the surface for all that means. It's everything we've loved in the last seven years. Mostly everything. Mieber Gascon not represented, but uh, <laughs> mostly everything. Uh, and Riff Tamsin, too. Um, in a beautiful art piece, man. Uh, the reflection of Vader. And, and, hey, the clones looking at Vader, looking at Anakin all along. Uh, Ahsoka looking at Anakin all along. We talked about them being kind of point of views to this bigger story. And this is the result. Uh, and it is, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it, uh, really nicely done. Love that. Image. Yeah. Between that blade having just been ignited and the work done in this arc to connect it to both Ahsoka and Anakin, you know, this, these final moments, the final image, have you thinking about Anakin, uh, but it is, he's not Anakin anymore. Inevitably, he has to be Vader. That's the truth of this story that's been coming at us forever. Uh, so to see him walking away as Vader, but to see the those markings of Ahsoka, you know, sort of keeping her alive and paying tribute to her, 
But then the actual fact that it is the, it's the Clone Wars and arguably one of the big missions is to humanize and individualize the clones. But there's this symbol of just the mask. And I, I really like the show ending on a symbol of the mask because we did get to honor the individual clones in this episode in the one before even we really got uh, to see Rex wrestle with the, the good parts of being a soldier and uh, the sometimes the uh, the horror of being a soldier but ending on that mask just it connects it to attack the clones it connects it to the plot of attack the clones a major part of it is the heroes trying to block the creation of the military yeah. and then the Jedi falling for it and Yoda kind of knowing and Bale knowing, Hey, as soon as we raise an army, when we put that face, that masked inhuman face toward our enemies, that means war and the inevitability of where that mask leads, not the clones, not the humans underneath the mask, but the inevitability of where that mask leads, the combination of what that means for Clone Wars as a story combined with what Vader means as a symbol, what more machine than man now means, which somebody who's chosen that awful path and is locked in that mask, as you said, being combined and saying, no matter what else, where else we've been on this journey, this is where it had to end is really uh powerful and strangely beautiful in yeah. storytelling terms. Yeah. I look at this, you mentioned it earlier, but this is the story of light existing in darkness for sure. It's a story of uh, both becoming yourself and losing yourself uh, in that final shot. And, and it is the story of war in star Wars. This is the story of war, the heroes on both sides. You heard that. We get questions about that a lot, what that really meant and how this happened and what was lost, but also what was gained. And, and, and I think that's, pretty powerful telling of, of a, of a war we all grew up wanting to hear about and see. Yeah. And what a gift that we got to hear so much about it. And it, it included uh, so many awesome, weird, funny, charming, uh, powerful, bittersweet moments. And all of those represented by Mieber Gascon. I think we can <laughs> all agree. Uh, any other characters or moments or uh, ideas that you wanted to discuss? Uh, I think I am good for now because we have done a, a wonderful job, sir. Uh, uh, kudos to you for those listening. Uh, uh, Joseph is usually up staying late, sipping whiskey and, and breaking down the themes of these episodes. And I think it just enriches my uh, viewing experience, sir. It's always happy to work with you on all this stuff. But it's uh, been a great season of Clone Wars, uh, uh, picking up uh, and, and fine-tuning and all the things presented there. So thank you. Oh, thank you. These discussions have been absolutely great, and it's been really fun to dig into the surface level, just absolute fun and thrill of Star Wars and the deeper stuff going on underneath. I almost always have one more thing I want to talk about, but this time I don't. That's how powerful that ending is. It's shut me up. Uh, but we are going to end with our two fun questions, as we always do on the Clone Wars Report. Ken, if you could have an action figure of any character from this episode, who do you want? I want that Y-Wing with packed and ready-to-go Rex. <laughs> you want a Rex ready for the next adventure. Yeah. He's packed and ready to go. Yeah, that's what I want. That's great. Uh, I want... Uh, emotionally tortured Darth Vader that comes with uh, uh, Ahsoka's blue blade and uh, the convoy. 
floating around as well, it, all in a little action pack. So I can just sit there and watch uh, Vader stew right there in the plastic. Love that. Um, as always, we close with a moral. Ken, what do you think the moral of this episode of our podcast, The Clone Wars Report, should be? I think some of the more we've had some an interesting journey recording remotely, uh, some technical technological challenge and technical fails uh, going on here. And I, at the beginning of this, had another computer, and I let it go. And this episode is the most smooth one yet. Let go, and the path before you might open up. That is a wonderful, beautiful moral. And for now, we are going to let go of the Clone Wars report. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.